Bad Puns and Machine Guns, the podcast where we watch and discuss every Arnold Schwarzenegger movie one at a time, and maybe the occasional surprise as well. I'm Mike Olson. And I'm Kevin Keen, and today we're back to Arnold to discuss Terminator Dark Fate, released by Paramount Pictures on November 1st, 2019, starring Linda Hamilton, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Mackenzie Davis, Natalia Reyes, Gabriel Luna, and Diego Boneta, written by David Goyer and Justin Rhodes and Billy Ray. Based on a story by James Cameron, Charles Egley, Josh Friedman, David Goyer, and Justin Rhodes, directed by Tim Miller. That is a lot of writing credits. Uh, a lot of story credits. There are yes. three screenwriters, five writing credits, or story credits. I, I would just like to get out there. I handled that intro that we have not done probably in two years. First try, I think, seamlessly. I thought you were going to make a bigger deal out of it. We're back. Uh, it's, this is the, yeah, the first uh, Bad Puns and Machine Guns episode in two years. It's got to be I two I thought you were going to be like... Bombastic? Hey, we're back. I mean... It, no, yeah. just right into it. <laughs> uh, sure. It's like we never left. That's right. Because we haven't left. We've been doing this for <laughs> this entire time. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. It's so true. <clears throat> so a Terminator movie, probably... I don't know if it's Schwarzenegger's last movie, but certainly is his last run in a Terminator franchise. So we we definitely needed to do this one. Yes, and we're doing it in the old format as well. Not the you know if uh, Rocky listeners, I don't know what the old format is unless they've gone back and listened to the archives. But we are going to go through the movie scene by scene, beat by beat, yeah. rather than our categories, if you will. Yes, we're in those segments. We're going to do what we used to do is go through every excruciating detail of the movie. <laughs> Uh, the idea was when we switched formats was to so that it would save us time preparing so that we wouldn't have to go through every single scene in detail. But I don't think that's how it worked out. Actually, no. I'm not sure uh, how this is going to go. But uh, I hope this is not Arnold's last film because I think he is by leaps and bounds the highlight of this movie. Oh, it's not even close. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, I want to. I, let's just start right there too. Let me ask you this: Do you think you and I think that just because? We're big Arnold fans, or because he really is the highlight of the movie. I think it's probably both, but, uh, I mean, Arnold has obviously been a big part of this franchise from the beginning, and I think... The franchise doesn't really exist without him. Yeah, basically. Yeah. I mean, it's they've tried to move on from him, and they keep going back to him, so I think that'll tell you. <laughs> There's a reason why. You know, I like Salvation, but even Salvation goes back to him a little bit, because they had their CGI Arnold, so yeah. I mean, there's never been a Terminator movie that didn't have some presence of his... There are Terminator movies that use him badly. I mean, Terminator 3. I don't like Terminator 3, and I don't like what they do with... Yeah, talk to the hand. You always do that without <laughs> I, saying anything, I and I have it. to explain. Yes, Mike is once again doing a nonverbal thing <laughs> on a podcast. how mad you get. <laughs> yes, talk to the hand, but all, all sorts of things. It's not his fault, but uh, I think that role in Terminator 3 is very bad. So I don't think it's necessarily... I don't think... you know We're not the type to give him a pass. No, we've, we've savaged him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean... Uh, we're both fans of uh, Schwarzenegger, I, but uh, yeah, when he's not good, I'm willing to say he's not good. That's not the case here. I think he is so good in this movie. Yeah, I think there are some good things and some bad things. I will say, you know, we we went and saw this in the theaters. You know, we a group of us went to because obviously it was exciting for us. Yeah, very being the Terminator so. fans. Uh, not just I mean, we had, our our friends are also Terminator fans, so it's like we had to go see it. And I really liked it when we saw it in theaters. And wa- rewatching it this time, my Opinions come down a little bit. Okay, I think it has good things and bad things. I still I like it, but I I don't know if it's necessarily for sure my third favorite Terminator movie, which is how I felt coming out of the theater. Interesting. So for me, I enjoyed it as well. I don't think I enjoyed it as the rest of the group. What I'll say is the 
going through now and doing it for the podcast, rewatching it, mm. I'm in about the same spot I was actually coming out of theaters. So that I will tell you when we left, other than a couple of scenes, frankly, with Arnold. <laughs> yes. That's all we talked about on the way out. Yeah. What are those scenes? Uh, other than those, I was like, it wasn't bad. It wasn't great. It was good, but it probably wasn't my third favorite then and isn't now. Really? Yeah. Genesis? I prefer, yes, I prefer Genesis. Yeah, that's what I'm going back and forth. Um, cause and there's, and there's... it's probably pretty close. I'm not going to say, like, if I got in an argument with you right now, I wouldn't just dig my heels in. Right. That it's, it's bad. But on, honestly, on balance, and I think what tips the scales for me is that that movie finally had an actor that I really felt like had John Connor. And I don't think you need like John Connor. I'm not saying that that's why I don't like this one as much. What I'm saying is it had another element and like another performer and character that I, w- I was way more invested in that John Connor in Genesis than I am in anybody other than Carl in this movie. Yeah, but they, that movie does the same thing as this movie. Um, I'm going to give a spoiler warning because this is a very new movie. So spoiler yeah, warning. We, we do need to be careful, huh? So I'm going to give 10 seconds, you know, go and watch the movie and come back <laughs> if you haven't watched Terminator Dark Fate yet. But um, this movie does the same thing as Terminator Genesis is that they both kill John Connor. Yes. The difference is in Genesis he comes back as like super robot or something. <laughs> yes. I, whatever he's supposed he's to be. He's the T-3000 actually. That's right i forgot i, did, I forgot for the, then for, for this episode i put the entire list of all of the terminators just in case oh. we needed a reference back john I, is the t3000 i would love to go through when do you what do you want to do that now or save it well if you'd like to we can do it right now i would love to hear this list okay because i know and in terminator 3 we didn't know that it was a t850 so yes. i assume that's you've made a distinction there yes yeah go through them okay so i i'm starting in i don't it's not movie order. I think I tried to do it in numerical order. I'm not sure what my order was here. But there is the T1. Well, the T1 would be the first yes, in numerical the order. Numerical, the T1, introduced in T3. Yes. And did the movie T3. Yeah, the I'm robot sorry. T1 is featured in the movie T3. <laughs> that is a good... Uh, and I think it may show up in Salvation. I don't know Salvation yes. as well. I think it's in Salvation. I remember well. we, we spotted one in like the, the camp where they were holding all the humans. Yeah. And there was one... That's right. It, it was missing the treads, as I recall. They just yes. like plopped it in the middle of the, the thing. It was like, it was it was like, like guard duty. It was like, yes, and it was like the old Ed 209 from RoboCop. It was like broken down, but they just kind of kept it there. You're right. Yeah, on, they're on guard duty. <laughs> the machines are trying to find something for the old guy to do. Yes. Essentially what it was. Uh, there is the T-800, which is Model 101 is really what we have come to know and has been used in many movies now. Yes, but wait, isn't there something between the T-1 and the T-800? Uh, there's one in Salvation that's like the T-600, isn't there? Well, there may there may be uh, it's salvation. No, no, I'm not sure about that. The one that gets the Looney Tunes like beam dropped on his head. Remember that guy? He's just like walking around, and I think Kyle, young Kyle Reese. You could be right. I might have missed the T600. I, yeah, he's, he's very like. You only see the skeleton, I think. Okay. It's, it's, it's supposed to be the count the rubber skin, right? Because or, yeah, the, or whatever whatever the one that uh, Reese in T1 references. I don't know if he gives a number though. No, see, I, I, yeah, I think that the the one that they reference is a T eight hundred, but not model one hundred one. I think it's the model okay. before the T eight hundred. But okay. whatever. Okay, I'm not trying to correct you. I no, just no, don't no. But miss like, it, I didn't put. I looked it up only recently. The Rev nine is the only one I put on the list because it's actually like a Terminator that goes back in in time and that we see in present day. But I think. Oh, so you're only counting Terminators that were sent back in time? Yeah. Uh, well, because those are the ones really that because the, the the other machine is a rev 7 right the, the one that has like the uh, I, I forget what the tentacles i think i might have even called it alien or or, or something like that yeah we'll, we'll talk about that yeah. when we get there but uh yeah all right so i'll, I'll continue the t850 which is kind of the 
slightly aged Arnold, if you will. The sad sack Terminator. I can't stand that guy. <laughs> I can't defeat her. I, just, uh, I hate it. He's my least favorite Terminator. You're right. Continue on. So the T850, uh, then you go to the T1000, which... Yes. The T1000, to be honest, it, it may be the best best Terminator. But Robert Patrick as a T-1000, you really come to appreciate him in particular when you compare to, for instance, some Terminators maybe in this movie who are not as compelling. Fair enough. <laughs> I'm almost there. Okay. So the T-1000, which has been portrayed actually by two actors because in Genesis you oh, get right. a different T-1000. But So the T-1000, right. we have the T-3000, which became... John, well, John Connor, the the form, because it was like m- nano robots inside of him with like a magnetic force is what I think like kept yeah. all of it together, as he I was remember. Like, he was like metal shavings. He was like the toy, like the woolly, yes. woolly wally or whatever it was called. Yes. He's made of those. Uh, we have the TX, which is the, the Terminatrix. The Terminatrix, yes. Which has the entire weapons arsenal of chainsaws <laughs> yeah. and... I, I, I remember you had a very, very thorough list when we covered T3 Rise of I, I paused and I wrote down every single that she had a lot of them. Uh, in this latest installation in the franchise, we get the Rev 9, which comes back through time. And also, as I said, the Rev 7, which right. is in the future. Yeah. And then many lists will not count it, but my list absolutely includes... I would have I would have jumped in if you hadn't. The T1 million, of course. which still may be my favorite just because the numbering is so absurd. <laughs> Well, you, you got to know that it's really advanced, <laughs> even though it's just a big liquid metal spider, as featured in the Terminator ride at yes. Universal Studios. And I, I think you said that, that that bonus episode is no longer available, so people may not know our love affair of the T-1 million. I, I'll have to find it and put it back up at some point. Yeah, whatever. Because, yeah, I, I, I wanted to, uh, when we created the new, uh, for the arms race, when we created the new uh, RSS I didn't want it to be cluttered with a bunch of stuff that, frankly, at the time, we only put up some, some, some of those episodes are not good. But that one, yeah, probably should go up. Yeah. That well, was, that was one of the better bonus episodes. I, I just wanted to, to cover it in case we were going to refer back. I, I got as many. I, clearly, I must have missed one or two here, but I tried to get as many of the Terminators oh, no. and their model numbers on there as I could. Now that I understand you were, you were only going through the ones that were sent back in time, then yeah, that, that is a complete list for sure. Except for the T1 million. I just, I could not <laughs> list the That's T1 true. million. That doesn't go back in time, but uh, I mean, John Connor goes forward in time to defeat it, I believe. Yes. yes. Ed Furlong in that ride. Which, okay. which at the time was the last time Ed Furlong had ever appeared in a Terminator, yeah. uh, anything Terminator related until until this, until this. So, which we, we can get right into. That's probably, probably yeah. yeah, get into it. So the first thing I want to say is I going back through I, I I don't think we got late to the theater. No, we didn't. No, but I didn't remember. I did enjoy the opening credits, or I should say the the studio credits. It's not even actor credits. I really liked the, yeah, weaving the, in the grainy. It, it was it was really well done. There are no opening credits. It's just a title, and that's it. Yeah. Like in a, in a Star Wars way. But um, I agree. It's really smart, and I think movies are finally starting to figure out how to make the endless movie logos tolerable. <laughs> and this is a movie that does it really well. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It's really because, smart because it's intercutting. With the Sarah f- Connor from T2. Yes. Actual footage. I, I'm assuming they did not go back and have the CGI no, all that. No, no, this is the real footage. Yeah. Was some was all this in T2 or some of this unused? I couldn't remember. I, I watched a little bit of T2, but I didn't. I, my recollection is that I think it is an extended version. I don't yeah, think, I think so all too. of... I, I think they filmed all that and it didn't all make it into the final cut, but I... Right. The, the screen cut, but I think I've seen a director's cut that does have all of... 
that video. Maybe that's what it is. Because, yeah, some of it seemed more familiar than other other parts. Like, the, everybody, everywhere. Like, that part I know. In is the in, leaves of paint, you know. Yeah, like exactly. Leaves and, yeah. Um, that stuff I know is in T2. But some of the other, like, I think the earlier part of the video, I couldn't remember. I was like, is this actually in T2? Or is this just stuff they filmed, like you said? Fair enough. Um, and we get well, at least the back of the head of Dr. Silverman. So, <laughs> uh, you know, nice to see. He makes an appearance. Yeah, and his voice is uh, in there a couple. He's got a couple of lines in there, so. Yep. Earl Bowen gets to reappear in the Terminator franchise. Do you think he? Uh, you think he gets royalties? I would assume they're using footage that he filmed. I got to think yeah. that uh, he's getting a check for that. Gets another check for Dark Fate, despite would, having never had to do any work on it. I would hope so. He should have been in this movie. He's still alive. I know. They could. I mean, I'm, I don't know. He may be an it ill health. It would be kind of shoehorning him in, though. No, there's a scene later where I feel like he would have fit in fine. You want me to just tell you? And yeah, jump, tell jump me now, because otherwise I... I at, at the Border Patrol Detention Center, some okay. some guy shows up and says, Sarah Connor, uh, Oh, that's I, right. He's a... He's a um, he's law enforcement, yeah. and I, I... Earl Bowen, Dr. Silverman was not law enforcement, obviously. He was, yeah. uh, you know, clinical... But he could have been down there. You're right. He could have been uh, with that guy to say, Ah, I finally caught up with you after all these years, you know? <laughs> and then that, that's all that, you need. That's fair. Yeah. I, I wanted to see him in that I scene. mean, because there were other previous Terminator movies... References that I actually feel do do not work and were poor choices in this so, movie. Yeah, so if they were going to do that, they may. Well, I guess what I'm saying is that if you were going to have make some of those other choices that I don't think were good choices, that would have been just as palatable. It would have been on. Yeah, it would have felt a little forced, but it would have been right on with some of the other ones that I think were poor choices. They didn't have to dwell on it. I mean, uh, yeah, I guess I guess it would have felt a little fan servicey. I suppose that's okay. I'm curious to hear what. Uh, We'll get there. We, yeah, I, I don't think it's terrible. I just I don't. It didn't. It didn't have the same vibe, and it felt forced to me. Oh, we'll just get. So later on, you get the the uh, the Rev Nine. You know, falls from the sky and falls into a family barbecue. Oh, right. And not only just him and his like line, "Sorry about your shed," which doesn't make sense. It doesn't fit with anything that that Terminator has done or said. To yeah, me. I agree with that. Well, I, well but, I think we'll get into this Terminator later. Once probably, we get but into. but I felt like that was not the appropriate location. If you were going to reference guitars and Cadillacs from T two, yeah, that was not the right sequence because that that whole sequence and setup. That's the hero Terminator. That is a song that was used in a scene when the T eight hundred is the protector and to have it in the background with the Rev 9 and a scene that felt forced to be with, I just thought it was bad. It's if so you backgrounded. Wanted, I know, but it's, if you wanted to get it in there, there were there were other places that would have made... It's basically an Easter egg. It's not even really a reference. I guess. It's snuck in there. So, I mean, I, I seem to remember you liking the Guns N' Roses song in Salvation, so I'm surprised to hear you disliking this one. I, it just, or am I misremembering? No, you, you might be remembering. Fine, this it just didn't feel right in this. So whatever. But maybe I didn't mind that. maybe you're going to get to really that I'm just not realizing that maybe I don't like the Rev Nine is maybe the problem. Well, yeah, I'm, so. I agree with you there, and I agree that that scene you don't need to see him land on a, in a little no. comedy beat. It, but uh, whatever. All right, so we we open up. I felt like it was a little bit like a, the the Rocky franchise where you get scenes from previous movies. I mean, I think because. Dark Fate is positioning itself as the new Terminator 3. You kind of have to use Terminator to 2 connect. as okay. a jumping off point. Like, I think it sends a signal of like, ignore Term- Terminator 2 is the previous film. <laughs> yes, ignore everything else. I think that's the message they were sending okay, with that, that stuff. That's fair. And they, they definitely get right to it because we are in Guatemala in 1998. Uh yeah well first we get a little bit of a sequence of like future war it's like you know a little there's bit. like one shot of like a beach and Terminator marching up on the beach 
And there's like a girl on there's like a little girl on the battlefield for some reason, but whatever. It's that's just, just so that they can then cut cut to Guatemala. Oh, no, little girl on a beach. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, it's kind of weird. We're getting footage of a future that they're telling us never happened, but it's to illustrate. Here's what would have happened, but John and Sarah saved the day. And I well, mean, not just John and Sarah. Well, yes, Uncle Bob also helped save the day. Sure, and Miles Dyson and plenty. And of you're people. right, Miles Dyson. Yeah, poor Miles Dyson never gets a mention either. No one cares about him. <laughs> it's it's the the victors write history, right? Connor, the Connors have just written him out sure. of the history books. Yeah, it's only John and Sarah that are the matter. That's another character I thought might have come back. It could have used is Miles Dyson's Mason. son. No, oh, I think, yeah. Well, because Miles Dyson well, is dead. They use Miles Dyson's son in Genesis. Well, they use both of them in Genesis because in that one, the timeline has changed. And so That's now right. Miles Dyson is no longer dead. They're kind of villains in that movie, which a is it's kind of strange. But I guess in a world where Sarah never arrived and, and stopped them from doing what they're doing. Right. It they makes, just go down their path. Yeah, it makes sense. But I, I would have liked to have that character at the Air Force Base be... Miles Dyson's. Uh, I could see that. I could um, see that. Just more connections to the previous movie would have been nice. We've got Sarah Connor. We've got John Connor, who will not last long in this movie. And we've got Arnold, who is playing a different Terminator than in T2. So really, the only characters that carry over are Sarah. Sarah and John for like a hot second. That's it. Yeah. I think you're right. Miles Dyson's son would have made sense, because I have an issue when we get there of... Why is this guy helping Sarah at yeah, all? You don't get any background. No, you don't. And so, actually, that would have been a better connection because Miles Dyson's son would have had a reason to yeah. be connected and to help Sarah. You, you don't need to explain it at all. Right. Whereas that guy, who knows? Anyway, yes, we're Guatemala, and we get some uh, de aging technology. I think it looks pretty good here. I think Linda Hamilton looks good. I think they did an incredible job in Edward Furlong. I don't know how they did. I, I assume this is like a body double. Yeah, I, so I watched some of the extras on the DVD, and I did see a little bit about it. They actually had actors as body doubles to go through the motions and had the actors on set to like help help the actors know how they would move. And okay. then, yes, then obviously they took photos and created the facial images uh, okay. for each of the actors. So was Edward Furlong on set to help the body? Because I, I, Here's I, the thing is that I got that Sarah, that um, Linda Hamilton was... <laughs> They didn't really say anything about Edward Furlong. Well, I had seen uh, a news story prior to the movie coming out that, oh, Edward Furlong is back as John Connor. I was like, oh, great. And then I saw the movie. I'm like, that's not. First of all, this is I clearly saw the a CGI. Same stuff yeah. So did he work on the movie or not? It's, still, it's unclear to me. It sounds like no. It sounds like maybe I, the news, the, the website just. It, it may have been premature and maybe because they, the actors also then obviously did the voices. So, but John doesn't get any dialogue. It's really only Sarah that has any dialogue in that sequence. You hear him a little bit in the background, but it might they may have just taken lines from. Yeah, like you can't it. really make out much. So if he did, then if he was there, it was to do the the lines because they, at least in the deleted scenes and the extras that I watched, it was clear that Linda Hamilton was there, and I assume that Arnold was, and it didn't really say anything about. Edward Furlong. Yeah, I think this guy, because that that's how I wanted to finish, is I didn't think they did a good job on Arnold. I didn't even, when we saw it in theaters, I didn't know that was supposed to be Arnold until really? like, the last shot when he's walking away. Oh, wow. And we're like, oh, I guess that's supposed to be the Arnold Terminator. I thought it was some other, you know, because we see other, we, we, in Terminator 1, we see uh, the Franco Columbo uh, Terminator. There's different models of Terminator, and I honestly didn't 
recognize this. I didn't think the CG was very good on. Oh, Arnold's face. okay. I I thought it was pretty good. Okay. So. I, I I mean maybe I just wasn't paying attention or whatever. Were you were you too trapped because you wanted to see old Arnold versus new Arnold? Uh, <laughs> we got plenty of that in Genesis. In Genesis, I I, I got my fill of that. I think I well, enjoyed that, but I know. was going to say actually that that may be one of my favorite sequences in the entire series is actually that one really yes wow that's saying a, a more that's your favorite sequence including everything in t2 that's saying a lot it's I a mean, se- it's a sequence i enjoy a lot i i enjoy of, a lot the, too. of the c the thing is is that i prefer practical effects to cgi well but, uh, oh, genesis is obviously a cgi arnold I know. but you know but that's what i'm saying of the cgi stuff it, it might be one of my favorite sequences it's a really good action sequence but i guess I feel like Genesis did a better job of doing a CG Arnold. I mean, it's a different era. That's the Terminator 1 Arnold. This is the Terminator 2-ish, maybe even a little older. I think they may may have tried to age up. At least Linda Hamilton and Edward Furlong, I feel like they didn't... I'm not sure. Maybe they just copied T2, but it seemed like they were trying to make them a couple years older. I think from what I... No, they were taking shots from T2 and trying to get it as close as they could. Okay. In any case, yeah, I thought they did a great job in Linda, Linda Hamilton and Edward yeah. Furlong. But anyway, this this Terminator just marches up and shoots John Connor, yeah. and that's that, which is it, I mean, shocking. It, it's a bold. It is a bold statement right out of the gate, without a doubt. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's sending a message that uh, this series is going in a different direction. Yeah. Don't whatever whatever you had from T one and T two, those things are now the past. Well, and also T three and Salvation and Genesis, where I mean, again, John Connor died in Genesis, but way in the future, right? So it's just like none of those things can happen now. Like it's like do not have any doubt in your mind. T three will not happen after this. After Dark Fate happens, no, this is no Nick Stall. It's not nope, happening. Nick Stall never happens. That's, <laughs> that's not necessarily a bad thing in my opinion. <laughs> you really hate T three. I really do. Um, it's got a couple of fun scenes, but otherwise, yes, know, it I, does. It's got a couple of fun scenes. It's my least favorite. Ter- it's the only Terminator movie I think is actually kind of bad. But whatever. We're not here to talk about T3. No, we're not. Well, let me ask you, and while we're talking about it, how do you feel about this erasure of T3 and Salvation and Genesis? Do you think it was a good idea? Um, I know that you and I are in the minority, I think, of franchise fans that enjoy Genesis. True. So, that aside, the, like the loss of Genesis, I have a little bit of an issue with, because I, I think it's better than Dark Fate. But if you're giving me a binary choice... I would say that it's the right way to go. Okay. Well, like well, if I have to give up Genesis, but it's to if it's to erase Rise of the Machines, if it's to erase Salvation, that's a trade I take. I, I pretty much agree with everything you just said. I think the only thing is, I mean, Genesis sort of erases prior movies, but it justifies it with time travel. It's saying, oh, a Terminator went back to the '70s, and now everything's different. You know, it, it is trying to explain why things are different. And Dark Fate is just like, nope, those movies do not count. They never <laughs> happened in any timeline. This is not like 2009 Star Trek where your old Star Trek is still there. Don't worry. No, no, no. This is gone. We are erasing them. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, that's a, that's a much bolder you move. You've been erased. That's right. They've been erased. <laughs> but we, can, we can go back to all the old Arnold jokes yes, now. This is great. Can. I think they could have done it in a way that used time travel to erase the stuff so that it's like they still happened. But then the timeline changed, and so you can still... I mean, it could, but time travel gets so messy. It, yeah, it's already me, so convoluted. Right, I mean, to me, it's like, just forget it. But, I mean, Genesis is so much more fun. I think that's my big issue with Dark Fate is it's so somber and taking itself very seriously. There's some humor. Not um, enough. That's the, that yeah, is not, the big problem. Not enough. 
Uh, and because what I don't understand is how they didn't realize that. Because what I think makes T two, you know, one of if not the greatest action movies of all time, is that it had the right balance. I, I think it has a really good balance of taking itself seriously when it needed to, but giving enough moments of levity. Yeah. And you know maybe Genesis T three is full on like stand up yeah, Terminator. It's too far, in, it's too far in the other direction, and I'll admit that there are some things I do really enjoy about it. Though well, some parts are actually genuinely fun, <laughs> but at the expense of the drama. Yes. So that is a big missing factor. And yeah. what's funny is I the movie isn't super long. It probably could be shorter, but there there were a few times when I went back and rewatched this. The one comedic moment that still knocked it out of the park my second time through, what I realized is I'm like, you know, most of the time when you have something like that, they try to go to the well too often. Yeah, that's true. And dilute it. But no, but what this movie was lacking, it needed one more scene of Carl telling a story. And it didn't necessarily have to be like a story about a customer. To be like that background of you've got this machine that these humans, they just don't want to listen to who's boring ass story. It's <laughs> well, a, it's, I, I think we should wait to talk about Carl. Right, he's, right. he, I think a big problem with this movie is he comes into the movie way too late. Yes. No doubt about it. I yep. mean, it's like an hour into the movie before Carl shows up. But yeah, I mean, the funny thing is, this is the new T3 now. Uh, they didn't number it. I mean, that would have really been bold. Terminator 3 Dark Fate, <laughs> and be like, yeah, get out, Terminator Right, machines? Rise of the machines, definitely, no. yeah. I, mean, I would have been found that pretty funny if they just were like, T3, guess what? <laughs> uh, um, but it is funny how, in some ways, it's doing a lot of the same things as T3. It's just totally... The opposite. Like, almost you could take both T3s, mush oh. them together, and you would have a really great movie. It's just, you the, know... The driving it, sequence, for sure. I'm like, oh, my God, this is... When I when I was going back through to do this, not in theaters, but to do this and take notes, I'm like, oh, my God, this is... He's just got a big plow on the front. I'm like, this is basically that same chase sequence. And, and the Rev-9 is basically the Terminatrix, except male and can't control robots or other machines. Yes. I guess that's the only thing. But he's got, he can't he, hack into uh, satellites and yes, things. Yes, so and drones. And he also has his own drone, which I, I do kind of, that's the one thing I like about this this Terminator. His is, own drone? Well, this I called it the Drone 9. So the Rev 9 oh, is Gabriel. Split, right, right. Yeah, so you can split. So the, the, the skeleton, I was calling a drone. <laughs> okay. Was, Even though I, it's probably actually the other way, but I called him the Drone 9. Well, <laughs> I, I, we're jumping ahead a lot, but I was, I was whenever they were split, I was calling the skeleton Skeletor. <laughs> and I was, call, I was calling the other one Tarman. <laughs> so Skeletor and Tarman. That's awesome. The new season of, of True Detectives, uh, Skeletor and Tarman. Well, I, I had Rev-9 and Drone-9. So, okay. All right. Anyway, so we've now established John Connor, gone. Yeah. T3 through everything else, gone. Well, I think we should talk more about that decision because I agree it's an interesting decision and it's, it's sending a message. But at the same time, like we've talked in the past about how John Connor, it's tricky to handle John Connor because... At his core, he's not that interesting a character. Correct. Like, he's this perfect hero. In, in the first Terminator, he's entirely theoretical. He's just, you will give birth to this great man who will save the world. And, and he functions like that perfectly. And in a theor- that's the, the thing about it, is in a theoretical character that you never see, it works fine. Yes. As soon as you try and put yeah. any story around, it's boring. It's boring, because he's not a dimensional character. He's a perfect human being who will save the world. Right. There's and, nothing you can do with that. And it's like the it's like Captain the like actual Captain America if he's just as all if there is no you know the the best of the Captain America, you know, Marvel franchises is um 
Winter Soldier when he's basically going against the U.S. government. That's an interesting story. If you're just this all American, or I should, if you're just this heroic figure with no flaws, who wants to right. see that story? It's boring. So it it makes total sense. It's like, all right, let's just kill John Connor. As shocking as it is, and I I, had, I wasn't crazy about the decision, but the more I thought about it, it's like, yeah, they kind of had to do it. But then, if you're gonna do that. Why then just replace him with another character who is exact has the exact same problem? <laughs> now, because now we're gonna meet Danny soon, and Danny is exactly the same. I mean, isn't that what? I mean, that's really the knock on this franchise is really what it's kind of the same movie and over and over again. I think this movie didn't realize what was what parts were interesting and what parts were not. Because yeah, the Dan- just re- killing John and replacing him with Danny, I'm just like, well, what? you've gained nothing. You've changed really nothing. It's not worth it to exchange John for a character who has the same narrative problem, but we care about less because we don't know her yet. I mean, over the course of the movie, I mean, I, I, I think a lot of Terminator fans did not like that character, Danny. But I don't think it's necessarily, it's definitely not the actress's fault. And I think, in part, it, just, it was a miscalculation of just making the same mistake again. Yeah. You know, if John Connor is not an interesting character to follow as a character he's he's interesting as a concept and that's it so it's just crazy to me they did this they killed john and then just i made the same mistake you're right but i think the challenge is is that it's just i think that's the formula of this movie this franchise i should say yeah i mean you you need to justify why is a terminator coming back in time there has to be somebody important they want to kill and so what else could it be i suppose she either has to be the great hero or she has to give birth to the great hero which this movie plays with well what's funny is though i i guess kind of talking this out loud it could have went i I, it really would have been ironic it could have went the t3 route where it was more that it's a group you know of individuals that ultimately are being targeted and maybe then you have like you know some that are flawed and that you become more invested in because maybe they're I don't want to say more well-rounded characters, but I, they just have more of a story that can be told. Right. And Danny could have easily been one of them, right? It didn't have to just be one person necessarily. And I, yeah, I, I, I agree. That's a good idea. And I think it would have been a much more interesting message in terms of like, you know, oh, this one person dies and suddenly every, all the the things that every other human did in order to fight the machines in the future didn't matter because this one person is dead. It's like, no, obviously any kind of conflict like that, it's like you'd have... Hundreds, thousands of people who are heroes and who are right. instrumental to defeating the enemy. You know what I mean? Like the idea that it's one person, whether it's John or whether it's Danny. Yeah, make it make it hundreds of people. Be like, these are all the generals who, in twenty years, will give us problems. So yeah, let's have the Terminator yeah, go and through and hunt them down one by one. Right, and you'd probably have to have some right that didn't make it because you you can't have right, like Carl you, be everywhere, and you, you you can only have so many heroes as well. Yeah. So at some point they have to rally and find like almost make it more of it's a detective story to try and figure out who next that. And I think this is basically the exact same thing we pitched when we did when we covered T three of just like don't make it about John, make it about the group. You know, because because if you see it from their point of view and they don't understand, and it, one of the cool things about the first Terminator is Sarah has no, no idea what's going yeah. on and has to over time learn from Kyle and you know what whatever. So yeah, if it's a group of people going to be like, why is a robot trying to kill us? And then, you know, someone from the future tries to save them, and then either you could have Danny at the end just appear at the end and be like, oh, I'm the new John or whatever, or just not have that character at all. Right. That's, that's a, you're right. It's probably just a fundamental problem of the franchise is no, the more I, sequels you have, the more you have to explore who is this great hero, and it's never interesting. <laughs> you know, T2 gets away with it because John's a kid, right. and so he, you're, there's no expectation that he's going to be a great man yet. 
So he can just kind of be along for the ride. No, and what the balance there and why that movie works so well is him exploring and growing up a little bit, but then having not having a father, but then having this machine, it set up for that other angle that both Arnold and Ed Furlong did a great job right, of yes. the kind of the buddy action dynamic was still there but it was it was endearing because it was a 13 year old kid i mean if i had my own robot i can't even imagine how much fun i would have if i was a 13 year old oh yeah that's a big part of the fun (laughs) stand on one leg exactly that's exactly the kind of stuff (laughs) put your leg down (laughs) all right all right enough t2 well okay one last thing we need to uh discuss before we move on from the scene is body count this is a cgi arnold but it is Arnold. And we came in saying, well, Arnold's not going to kill anybody. He's a Terminator. He's instruction not to kill. He killed John Connor. He did. I think it counts. I think it counts, too. Yeah. So, one ad- see, we had to do this episode to make sure we were updating our body That's count. That's true. So, plus one for Arnold. I'll tell you right now, this is the only one he gets in this movie. But yes. um, uh, Because, for the most part, I mean, since the first Terminator... Arnold's portrayal of Terminators has always been protector since then, and with explicit instructions, actually, in T2, that he can't kill anybody. Yes. Well, technically, there was a CGI Arnold in Salvation who was a bad Terminator. Yes. But um, that was barely... It was not necessarily, like, interesting. I don't think he killed anybody in that movie. No. CGI... He's just, barely in it. He so. just fought Christian Bale and knocked him around a little bit. Yep. Oh, you almost killed him. That's right. And then they do a heart transplant, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Anyway. All right, so we now have the introduction of a new protector, Grace. Yes. With some terrible coordinates. I felt very bad for Grace. I also felt very bad. Actually, they're terrible coordinates for both of them. Well, no, not for the Rev-9. Rev-9 lands right outside of uh, Danny's apartment. Like, that is actually that Legion's is true. got much better intel like, to drop him right on top of uh, where you, he needs to You'd like be. to think that they could have gotten him on the ground, but you're right. He is. He, his, yeah, well, he's a Terminator. His, he can, he'll be fine. His transit is like 50 feet. <laughs> that is true, though. I didn't think about it until you just mentioned on the ground. Like, what? Terminator movies never put him on the ground anymore. In Genesis, is it the same thing? Well, in T, in the first Terminator, Calories is a little bit up when he falls. Up. And I think they do the same thing in Genesis. I think they, they re- recreate that. Um, and, right. and they recreate the T1 Arnold arriving, so he, he's on the ground. Uh, but otherwise, I don't know if we see the John Connor T3000 arrive. He's just like, no, I'm here don't. now. You never see, don't see him come no, back. No, because time. he's posing, quote-unquote, right, right. as John Connor. So. Um, what, and then, yeah, T3... T3, they're both on the ground. Yes. So I guess Genesis and but, this are the only ones where they got to put them up in the air so they can have a dramatic fall. Great. Because they can do more CGI. That's really sure, a yeah, big yeah. reason why. But Grace's coordinates, they were terrible. <laughs> right. Absolutely. She wasn't close, and she was literally suspended in the air. Yeah. Falling, I don't know, a few hundred feet. I mean, uh, if if she hadn't been uh, enhanced, uh, she would definitely be dead. I mean, whatever. I guess we're supposed to believe that the future that will happen is pretty similar to the one that they stopped. Like, we learn later that it's Legion now and not Skynet, but, like, the technology all seems exactly the same. There's Terminators and there's Hunter Killers in the future, and the time machine bubble functions basically the same. Now things freeze for some reason, but otherwise. It seems the same, other than I'm going to tell you, maybe this is just me being the old man. Eh, The name Legion... I agree. Not great. Well, it doesn't help that we have uh, associations with Escape Plan 2, because there was that guy named Legion. That's, That's all I could think of. I was imagining him in the future with like wires oh. connected to his head. <laughs> I am Legion. That's right, those three guys. Yeah, it is very generic. It's generic, and, I, and again, maybe it's just because I have such a, 
a long-term attachment. I don't know. Skynet and Cyberdyne systems just seems to be way cooler and way more interesting than Legion. I don't know. They could have still called it Skynet. They could have been like, well, Skynet went into, or, you know. I think they wanted to just completely break, though. And I, I, I guess, I but they're still. I mean, it, it's the, but it's effectively the same thing. I, I, you have to have Terminators. The movie is called Terminator, so you have to have Terminators. Yes. So they can't make the future too different. But everything is the same except for the name. It's just new packaging, new branding. That's otherwise, it's <laughs> everything's basically the same. I mean, yeah, whatever. There's a little bit of different technology that the Rev Nine can do different things, but you know, either do something different or just keep it Skynet. It seems like a half measure. It does. Well, we get. Um Grace and a poor couple that assist her at first, and uh, ultimately, after she disposes of the police as they arrived, Grace uh, takes some some clothes, some boots, not a motorcycle, <laughs> not a motorcycle. just a car. I like I like her comparing her foot size to the guy. Yeah, that that was, was nice. It took me a second. I was like, what was she doing? Is she like? Because I'll, I'll tell you, I this now being the new T three, I was thinking comparing it a lot to T three. I mean, it is stark, the comparison between her and, like, the TX, for instance, yeah. where it's barely commented on that she's nude. The only person who comments is the copy. and like, oh, I love it when naked Naked-ladies ladies fall yeah, from the sky. rain fall from the sky. But, you know, yeah. we were very critical of T3, and I know, I know I was, of just, like, a Terminator who has been sent back in time to kill. There's no reason to sexualize this character, and I think this movie does a much better job of, I mean, she's very vulnerable and very, you know, and then she activates whatever and kicks their ass and takes their clothes and, and drives off. So it's like, that's the way it should be. It's, it, it handles it exactly correctly. Yeah. And also, I think Mackenzie uh, Davis. Davis yeah. I think she's very, very good in this movie. Yeah, I think is. I think she's awesome. I was So I was a big fan of uh, her and just the show in general, Halt and Catch Fire, so I was excited to see her get a big opportunity. I'm not sure how much this is necessarily going to help her career, um, but I do think she, she gave a a, a very good performance in this. I don't. I think she'll be fine. I. I, have I don't never, think it'll hurt. I shouldn't. I, yeah, yeah. I don't mean that. I. I but I think uh, most people agree that she's really good in this movie, and I think she's like both giving a good performance and also just like plausibly a- kicking everyone's ass in yeah. a way that I really like. I mean, yeah. I just think she's really great because I know her from Blade Runner twenty forty nine, where she has a pretty small part. That's right. I forgot she was in that, uh, and then she's in The Martian with a pretty small part. So I, I saw her in this in the theater. I'm like, I know her from something. I figured it was Blade Runner is mostly what I know her from. But everything she's been in, I've liked her in. Yeah. So I, I'm sure she'll do just fine. Well, from there we uh, we get the introduction of Danny, the new John Connor, uh, and we get a little bit of her. Daily life, uh, so I guess a little bit like you get of Sarah in in the first movie of Sarah working at the diner. But here you get her before she goes to work, kind of her day. She's really kind of running the household with her her. I don't know if it's a younger brother or not, Diego, and and her father. He seems older than her to me. That's what I think, but it could just be you know they he, tend to cast younger for women. You know what I mean? Like it yeah. could that could be just what it is. It could be, but it even, could be twins for all we know. Even we don't, if, we don't know. even if he's age older, she clearly is the one who's the more mature and responsible. Oh, it yeah. seems like she gets the whole household breakfast. She goes out like you know, pre dawn. She goes out and gets them you know tamales and tamales and and uh, she's doing all the work for the household. And then they they go to this auto plant. Yeah, in between, then the Rev Nine arrives, as you said. Much, much better coordinates. Yes. Uh, freezes some uh, clothes on the clothesline. Here's my question for you. Okay. He does not replicate. He only replicates, like, the clothes. Does that poor woman that recognize or uh, witnesses his arrival, does, does she not make it? Well, he never disguises himself as her, so I don't think we should assume. He's, okay. He passes up a lot of people in this movie. He does. I think he was just, re- you know, he, he was taking the clothes so he could copy the clothes, and that's it. 
Okay. I don't think he killed him. I, I think you're right. I just I wanted to get a second opinion. Well, then he goes right up and knocks on the door and talks to Danny's father. Yes. I mean, we know for sure he's dead. Oh, yeah, he didn't make it. Yeah, because he, he, the, he, the Rev-9 copies him. Yes, to go to the auto plant. Right. So To deliver lunches that were forgotten. I don't think he would have killed the woman in the courtyard because he knows I've got to you know be low-key and I don't want to reveal myself until I know whether or not Danny, Danny is, is here. actually here. Yeah. I mean, if he had landed 30 seconds earlier, he would have landed on top of her. So, yes, I mean, he would have. That's just bad luck. Good coordinates, bad timing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, maybe uh, they did some kind of miscalculation. Uh, you know. Well, here's actually a question I hadn't thought about, but now I'm thinking about it out loud. Is there, is there some sort of... I'll call it, I guess, penalty for better coordinates. Because Grace gets... You have to assume Grace leaves after the Rev-9. Because they're sending her back because they know Legion has sent back a Terminator. So right. is I mean, it, she arrives before, though, which is kind of weird. No, that's what I'm saying. So is it like, well, we can get you there sooner, but the coordinates are going to be terrible. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. Or we could try and get you there a lot closer, but the problem is, is that the time, you know, we we may get you there after the Rev Nine, and then that. So maybe that's what it is. Maybe they just had to go. We're going with crappy coordinates, but we got to get there early. It's like Marty McFly trying to stop Doc Brown from being killed. He goes back ten minutes early, but he's a mile away. He's got to run. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, uh, maybe, All right. Maybe we just explained it. Yeah. Maybe want us to do it the other. Because remember? otherwise, honestly, it doesn't make sense. Because the Rev Nine clearly had to have gone back before Grace. So how did Grace have enough time being not nearly as close? And being able to get to where she needed to go. I mean, it's a, it, they never explain how the time machine works and probably correctly so that you don't have to yes. worry about these things. But like, I, they don't explain how Grace knows where to go either. Well, I guess she, Dan, she Danny knows maybe, Danny. Yeah, Danny, she does. Danny right. said, I used to work here. Go here. That's, you know, that's, you're probably right. I'm pretty sure. You can explain a lot away that she, Danny well, knows her. Well, it's very different. This movie is very different in, in that the future that we're depicted is only like 20 years in the future. Yeah. As opposed to the Terminator the original, which is like 50 years in the future. So like, I mean, we learn later that Grace knew Danny. Danny was, you know, she's part of the resistance that Danny is leading. So I think this is the first time this has ever happened where someone's gone back in time to protect someone that they already knew. Cause Kyle Reese had the picture of uh, Sarah, but he didn't know her. She was dead by the time. Right. Yes. And, but he was sent back by his son. <laughs> Yes, but he never met John no. as a as a no. younger person. No, because he was dead. Because he was dead, right? And then Genesis. I mean, Kyle Reese goes back in time and talk and and uh, meets his mother as a young woman. But uh, that's not quite the same thing, correct? And this this is the first time I think where someone's gone back in time to meet the younger self of someone they already know in the future. I think you're right. And so that's a very different dynamic. And I think it it allows them to skip over a lot of the parts of the process that I enjoy, which is the procedural parts. I like the Terminator going into a phone book and saying, I'm just going to, I'm going to find every Sarah Connor and kill them one by one. I, I, you know, going to the weapon store and killing Dick Miller. You can't do that wrong. You know, I, I like those scenes. I like, <laughs> I like watching the Terminator <laughs> systematically go through the process of acquiring you're, a weapon, acquiring a wait, vehicle, so what acquiring the target. We don't have to do that anymore because they know. They just she she knows where Danny works because she knows Danny, and Danny just told her. I don't like that. Sk- I mean, it explains how they can skip all that stuff, but I don't like it. He's a good-looking boy. You mind if I keep this? You miss stuff like that. <laughs> That's true. I do. Uh, well, this this movie uh, establishes there shouldn't be any pictures of, uh, but whatever. The Foster family, I imagine, took that picture. Yeah. Right? Um, Sarah didn't. They they do establish you right later in the movie. She says it's actually it probably. Linda Hamilton's best scene. I agree. Um, that 
she didn't have any pictures of John because she was trying to protect him and then now can't really remember yeah. his face. I, that was my question. I was just like, wasn't there a whole movie of the T-1000 with a, having a Polaroid? Being like, here. There was, but no, it was, yeah, it was she, clearly she from didn't the foster the family. Yeah. And, and then that was, that, all, that foster family picture was also before Sarah would have then not being taking pictures of him after saving him in, in T2. True. Yes. And running away. Anyway. Anyway, yeah, the, the auto plant. So there's some panic about uh, Danny's brother Diego being replaced by a robot. I so I like hey, there's a new guy at my station. <laughs> I like that joke. But I actually I wish they would have played this a little bit more. I liked where they were going of kind of exploring in the present day of machines kind of where the franchise has been caught up to by reality in like the workplace that a lot of people are being replaced by machines. I I like the connection. I wish they I wish it would have been explored a little bit more. I agree. I think they don't really explore it at all in terms of like the connection between that and Legion, for instance, because Legion is a, an anti. Uh, it's a military program for like uh, cyber warfare, right? Yeah. It has nothing to do with you know automation of auto. No. You know, uh, unlike Genesis, which was like a consumer product. Like, there's been so many versions of this. Right? <laughs> this you know, cyber rolling, rolling out the new operating system. Yes, Genesis. They've changed this so much now. So they. If they really wanted to connect it, they could have been like it could have made it like oh it, it's an algorithm that uh, causes you know allows the economy to be more efficient and it uh, you know uh, controls all of these robots centrally or something and then when Judgment Day happens you know just I'm just imagining like all the auto robots are like <laughs> kill 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 yes. yes. I mean, that's like a Simpsons scene at that point. It's pretty silly, but it's, I mean, yeah, it's like Westworld, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. They could have made it a literal connection. Instead, I think it's just like a thematic thing, like. Oh no, we're being replaced by robots. Like yeah. that's the extent of it. It is. I mean, that, as I said, I, I I'm not sure how you explore it a little bit more. I, I at least like it's there and it's yeah, it's it's, it's a good place to set you could have had this the 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 initial confrontation take place anywhere. So I do think they made a smart choice of being to have a little bit of a commentary by choosing to have them work at an auto plant and then having Danny's brother replaced by a machine. It was a good choice. Yeah, no, it's fine. It's thematically, like I said, I think it works thematically. Yeah. Um, they just didn't feel like they needed to connect it to, like, literally connect it to the Legion, but I don't think they needed to. No. So Grace Grace is able to make her way in by just overpowering some poor security guard who just wanted to watch a soccer game. <laughs> yeah. Well, she asked him how the game is. It does. She means business, too. I mean, she's she not killing. Just, she's just knocking him out. She knocks a lot of people's heads into walls. She, that's her favorite move. There is a lot of drywall damage by <laughs> yes, Grace. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and the, the, the Rev-9, he unfortunately has killed Poppy and is there pretending that Danny and uh, Diego have forgotten their lunches. Yeah. I don't know why that kind of makes me smile of dad bringing their lunches. Well, I think the only reason why he used that as a cover is because he, like, he forms a, a fake lunch bag out of his, like, oil skin, and he uses it to cover up the pistol he's got. He creates guess, like, a little pouch of himself to, to conceal the gun. I guess, yeah, I think you're right. I think that's the only reason. He, but it's not a literal... He doesn't literally hide a gun in an actual... He, <laughs> he, he must have touched a lunch bag, a brown paper bag, so that he could copy it and use it to conceal the pistol that he's brought in. Oh, man. Anyway, and then also uh, Grace has a shotgun because apparently the security here, they mean business. They do. They've got a shotgun to protect, to protect these auto parts. And it, it does do some significant damage to the Rev-9 when we get to the uh, the confrontation here. I, I, I do like that Diego spotting Poppy. He's going up to basically say, hey, yeah, I'm, 
Looks like a machine is here to end Poppy because it's the rep. Just zero interest in whatever deal. Where's Danny? That's all he cares about. Exactly. Yeah. It was a weird moment where they're like working on the assembly line, and then uh, Diego's buddy, who's just his coworker, I assume, is yeah. like, "Isn't that your father?" Yeah. It's like who, just who recognizes their coworker's I parents? Say, that is kind of funny. I can't imagine anybody. Even though my wife and kids have been in my office before, I'm not sure if they were just wandering on the floor. Anybody's, like, "Hey, Olson, that's your what's your <laughs> wife doing here?" Yeah, like immediately, not like I think that might be your. Just, he he he's like, "That's your father right there." So so and do you then, like pa- wife and kids is one thing, but his father. I mean, I I, I guess they live close. By. Do you think Poppy is just constantly like popping in? <laughs> he and must saying be. Hi. Yeah. He's just like the local. He's just like, yeah. He's retired and doesn't know what to do with himself. <laughs> he just he's comes just on down to the plant. stopping by because it's not like this is a small town. This is Mexico City. <laughs> it's like one of the largest <laughs> cities in the world. It's not True. a small town. <laughs> Everyone knows everybody in Mexico City. Pop, Poppy's just he's just a pop in every once in a while just to say hey. <laughs> right. But the security guards didn't recognize him. Like, oh, you, sir, you must put on your hard hat and vest. They're not friendly with Poppy. No, they're not at all. Uh, so we then get the, the confrontation because Danny is, is coming towards Diego, and this is the, the first action sequence, which it's a pretty good one, and it's going pretty well at the outset. But I got to ask, that sledgehammer, that must be the greatest sledgehammer of all time, that it is doing maximum damage and the handle, nothing is breaking on that sledgehammer that Grace is using. Well, I mean, I would hope that's what you're, she's doing what you're supposed to do with a sledgehammer. You're supposed to hit things with it. I know. So that. If, I, I, if, it, if the sledgehammer falls apart, then that's a badly made sledgehammer. They have to be built to do that. That's what they're supposed to do. I guess, but they're not supposed to be swung by an augmented super soldier oh, okay. and swung into a liquid metal machine. Yeah, I mean, that's that's fair. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it might be a brand new, you know. I, I, know. I, I would say this. It I absolutely can't. must be brand new off of the assembly yeah, line. Probably. It had never been used. We're not doing our segments, but I can't help but play devil's advocate. So I'm just, you know, it was a brand new <laughs> sledgehammer. That's what I'll say. I do like the moment where he like catches it with his weird goop and it like sticks to his head, and she's like, and she has to drop it, and then he yes. just, just falls to the ground. He's using his uh, liquid metal abilities in interesting ways in this movie. At least they found. I, I intimated it earlier. We'll just talk about it now since we're talking about Rev Nine. But I don't think this actor is doing a very good job in being. In, it's not an interesting portrayal. Like he's not the same like level of robotic efficiency as Robert Patrick. No, not at all. But he's also not finding anything any like like he's not he's not doing the fake john connor thing either of just like i'm basically a person right i'm completely blending in yeah exactly like i think that it feels like sometimes they're going in that direction but they don't quite decide what kind of it's just kind of a bland uh, villain i think yeah and that's that is part of the challenge and what's funny is i think one i don't think they picked a path i think you're right i think the path the little bit i could see from actually the behind the scenes, the actor, and I didn't know I didn't know Gabriel Luna from anything else. No, I don't either. He seemed in the behind the scenes to have like a personality that it would have been way better having him go of just trying to completely blend in and do the Genesis John Connor. Yeah. I think it would have been a much better choice for it, who they cast. It comes out here and there, and when it does, it's interesting. But most of the time, he's doing the stone face thing most of the time, but he doesn't have the menace no. that Robert Patrick has. I, I don't know. It's how, an under. I, it, I have a. Be- we talked about it a lot on our T2 episode. I'm going to give more credit even from that episode. Rob, that is a really. It, 
it's yeah, you'd think oh you just show up and you're just stone faced. It's not. There's something about like his motion and movement. Yeah, is far more believable in the T1000. Robert an, Patrick. It's an incredible performance, Robert Patrick. We we praised him at the time, but then comparing, I mean, I don't think uh, uh, a, right Gabriel, Gabriel Luna is doing anything wrong. It's just like. It's just not this as good. Is such a this is so much more difficult. Whatever Robert Patrick is doing, like it's inhuman, but it's also you totally understand. He's acting like a computer in a way that it's tough to explain, like you know, verbally to describe it. Like if, I couldn't tell you if you give me a year to write out. Okay, here are all the things that Robert Patrick is doing to portray this character. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not an actor, so. I don't understand the difference, but I know there is a difference. That's all. You're not going to give the uh, Sir Ian McKellen method that the words were written for you? <laughs> well, in this case, neither character has a lot of words written down. So not at that's, all. That's why it's tough, I think. So this this plays out a little bit. You're right that uh, the, the Rev-9 uses I'll get the knives and stabbing weapons uh, approach. Yeah. And Grace has a, a shield made from a, a car door. Yeah, it's like a door or the hood. I wasn't sure which. Yeah, which one. So it, it's okay. I mean, it, it it's certainly not my favorite sequence in the movie. It's well, that's funny you say that because I was about to say it was one of my. It's really? one of the better action sequences huh. in the movie. I think. I I found myself getting a little fatigued by the end. So maybe that's just it's because it's early. It's like oh, I'm I'm yeah. fresh and I'm ready for some action scenes. But I think it's fine. I mean, as, as a fight scene goes, I didn't fine. think it was bad. It just it it's not my favorite. I now we're gonna move immediately to the, I'll call it the. The T three street scene. Well, before we do that, how do you feel about "Come with me, or you're dead" in thirty in the next thirty seconds? I didn't, I didn't really like it. <laughs> why do they do that? Why write that line? Why not just do it? Why not, why not just do the line? Do the line. Come with me if you want to live. Everyone's fine with it. Or would you not be fine with it? Would you think I, that would be I, too much fan service? I I think it would have been fan service, but I would have been okay with it. Be, given again the binary choice, if you're going to give me what they went with. Yeah, or that. Don't do it halfway. Yeah, come with me, or you're dead within the next thirty seconds. Don't meet me halfway. Is that what you're saying? No, I'm not. <laughs> I will not meet you halfway. Meet me halfway. You caught no. me off guard. Uh, so what I would say is, if there's a third option of just not having it at all, that's probably what I'd go with. But okay. given the binary of their half measure of thirty seconds or the full fan, I'd rather the full fan service. It's such a wordy. They took the line and like made it twice as wordy, right? To the point where it's like. The 30 seconds are almost up by the time you finish this sentence, Grace. Come with me if you're, you're dead within the next 30 seconds. By then, the Rev-9 should probably just <laughs> yeah. be bearing down on you as you're yeah. trying to get those words out. This is too much talking. You yeah. don't need to explain how much time it will take. <laughs> just like, come with me. That's all you should come with me. Honestly, that might have been the, the better way to split the, the difference. So just make it shorter. Don't make it longer. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, I didn't like it either. Anyway, yes, the, the car chase. Yeah, I, so I, I like the majority of this. It's long. It does a lot of destruction. Yeah. I have the entire thing written out beat by beat. Do you want to go through it? <laughs> sure. I didn't. I don't think I wrote down every beat. I just wrote stuff like, everyone crashes. Like, okay, so I just go ahead and give me the first one on the board. I mean, there is a massive amount of... Oh. Uh, it's called collateral damage. There I is. mean, just all over the place because so grace takes i don't know like an old beat up ford f-150 or something that she finds it does at least have some rebar and tools in the back which come in handy down the road they do yes the teeth the the rev nine just embarrasses her (laughs) somehow in this auto plant there's a giant truck with a huge plow. It is Mr. Plow. All I yeah. could think of was Mr. Plow. 
I guess they're doing some... I called some... him Mr. Plow the whole <laughs> okay, time. Okay, fair enough. Um, well, I, I guess... Well, maybe he's more the Plow King now that I think of it. That's much more of the Plow King. He's it's, the Plow yeah. King, actually. That's a yes. much larger Plow than Mr. Plow. It's <laughs> true. Get out of here, you lousy season. <laughs> no, I think they, they established that like this plant is expanding or something, because they run through a bunch of like construction there, You're right, there are some other construction... But why is it inside the plant is what I don't get. Well, it was outside the walls of the plant, but inside the campus of the plant, right? But he goes and drives through a giant wall. Yeah, well, I think there is like an exterior wall, so like people don't oh, just like okay. sneak in. All right, you're you got to go through security. Well, he destroys I don't, that. I don't wall. think he's driving from the inside of the plant out onto the street. Oh, okay. I think he's going from an inner courtyard through a security wall. All right, out I'll, to the street. I'll allow it. You're probably right. He has no regard for anything oh, in his no. path. He really flips some. Uh, this is like uh, that car in Fast and Furious Six. Remember that car where, like, it's designed specifically to flip other cars? Yes. That's what he's doing with this plow. I mean, they go onto the freeway, and uh, there's definitely some... I counted some, some bodies here. Three, three for sure that flip so high and so there's hard. There's just no way. Like, that person is dead. So it takes a little while, but I'll at least give... At least he loses the plow at one point, because he is just basically... He is hitting everything in sight. Yeah, they, the Grace takes out the tire or something with with the rebar. I don't remember how the that's tires. later in the sequence, but eventually she she does. Yes. Well, since we're playing uh, sound clips, I, I, her throwing this rebar just reminded me of uh, Zeus's rebar lightning bolts from Hercules <laughs> in New York. I right? have spoken. <laughs> we're just gonna get the whole soundboard. Yeah, here. I know. We're, we're using ones that we haven't used in a while for sure. We're using uh, all the Arnold ones. So the yeah, there there is rebar. That's the one good thing about Grace's truck is that it has some construction materials in it, and she just throws it like a javelin to pin the Rev-9. And this is where you get the reveal that there is a... I called it the Drone-9, but you called it Skeletor. Yeah, because he, he takes some rebar to the chest, and then he's just like, I'm just going right, to ooze, ooze my way out through the window. And I would just have my skeleton just driving the truck. <laughs> What's funny to me about that skeleton is that it's just like... I kind of like it. <laughs> it's a little goofy, because like... There's no top to the skull, no. <laughs> and it's just empty in there. Which I guess, I guess the like liquid part has the brains. That's 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 the reason I called it a drone. Is that sure? Yeah. I yeah. feel like it it has limited capabilities. Like it can just drive. Right now I'm driving the bus. <laughs> it can handle the driving, but the higher motor function skills. Right. Is, it went with the liquid goopy part. Yeah, that's what I assumed also. Because it it is just a comical image of just a robot with no brain. Yes. It's just this empty skull thing. <laughs> that's why I kind of like the drone. I'm not sure why. Yeah, it, it's a strange idea. I mean, it's essentially the same thing as the Terminatrix, but she never split herself. She had the same thing of like a skeleton on the inside, liquid metal on the outside. Correct. But she couldn't so, apparently no, split out. She didn't have the drone. She just u- used her finger to control other machines, right. like she, cop she, cars and whatever. She didn't need a so stupid. She didn't need a skeleton. Yeah, she could. It was bad she enough she had a chainsaw and all these things yeah. that she could turn her arm into. Then you're going to give her the ability to control other machines too. Yeah, absolutely. She could hack the T1 and cause some damage. So yeah, she didn't need a she didn't need a skeleton. She had plenty of other robots that could. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So from what, that, what are this, the beats is, here? this is when you then get, so while the drone is driving, Grace realizes, oh man, I got to do something here because this, this guy can split himself. Yeah. She chucks the rebar, takes out the tire. That takes out that truck, but they wind up losing their truck. So Diego was driving the truck yes. because Danny didn't know how to drive, which seemed a little well, questionable that, to me. That might indicate that she is younger also. or maybe She's, she's, she's not, younger, but I, whatever. Maybe she's not of driving age. I don't know what the driving age is in Mexico. She can... Basically, be like a supervisor at a 
Is she a supervisor? I she's mean, she not, is, but she seems like she's a good employee and like yes, has she's respect. A good employee. Yes, but I, I whatever. Unclear. Well, but yeah, the, from here, both trucks are are pretty much out of the game because <laughs> they take out each other's tires. The tar man slides and then yes. swipes at their tires, and everyone crashes, as my note says. And uh, Diego has actually taken uh, taken some some hit along the way, and the truck crashes, and <laughs> the rev, the liquid part of the Rev Nine gets run over. And I feel really bad for the poor guy that ran him over because he gets out of his car to <laughs> yes. go check on the Rev Nine. Yeah. The Rev Nine just reassembles and runs the guy over. Yeah, this poor good Samaritan. He's trying right. to do the right thing. Are you all right? Yeah. yeah. Immediately just. Can't. And then the Rev Nine just barrels as fast as it can. I mean, it must be doing 160 miles an hour. Yeah, trying to take out Danny. And but the thing that is weird to me is the angle he's coming at. Like Diego's in there, he's you know, and and Grace is like, you got to leave him. We have to go. He he, he yeah. can't leave, and she just kind of like turns a little bit, and she barely gets out of the way. Yeah, barely gets out of the way. It's like the Rev Nine. All he had to do is just veer a little <laughs> bit to the left, and he would run over all three of them. I he just seem like a bad driver. Yes. Anyway, yeah, Diego's gone. Um, which I, I did not count him. I'm at the make. Oh, remind me man. to add. Remind me to add one to the body. Yeah, count. Diego, yeah. we we hardly knew you. Yeah. Why did he come along on this car chase? They could have killed him at the plant. <laughs> it, seems, it seems strange that they brought him well, along and then just killed him. because he knew how to drive. I guess so. Maybe so that's he, the reason. He did serve a purpose. He knew yeah. how to drive. I do like the moment where it's like, why does why do they want us dead? And she's like, no, only Danny. Yes. Like, they don't care about, hear about you. <laughs> what I do like is then after this, after so the, the liquid part crashes, crashes in, kills Diego. The drone, what I call the drone, then shows back up, and it was something. I don't know if it was its face, but it's like throwing rebar, and it just looked like an angry Johnny Five to me. That was really mad about the rebar. It does have an expression. Like it's, it's. (laughs) Okay, thank you. I thought it was just me. No, I I agree. I know exactly what you mean. It just, it just looks like a grumpy robot. Yes. So it shows back up, but then we get the arrival of Linda Hamilton. Sarah Connor comes to save the day. Yes, she shoots up uh, the tar guy, and then. Rocket launchers, uh, skeleton. She does, and then she delivers the line that I wish she had. I'm not a fan of Linda Hamilton in this movie, and this really not at all. No. That's surprising. I think she's she's great. Really, uh, I w- I wish I agreed, but I'll be back, son of a bitch. When like they they steal her truck, I just a lot of it feels forced. I don't mind the I'll be back. I I wish they hadn't done it because I think there's a better callback to I'll be back later in the movie. Much much better. I think there should probably be a cap of one I'll be back per movie. So, I mean, this is a Terminator movie, and that's where it originated, so I guess I'm okay with it. Last Action Hero had three I'll be backs, so, and we both like Last Action Hero, so yes. maybe, maybe I shouldn't be criticizing, but, you know, there's a better one later, so I, I agree they shouldn't have done this one. But in, in a vacuum, I don't mind it. If this had been the I'll be back for the movie, I, I think it's fine. All right. Why, why don't you like it? It's, I don't know. I didn't like your delivery. and I. It's kind of tossed off. It's like... Uh, it's like the way Timothy Dalton would say Bond James Bond. Where he's just like, I, don't, I didn't want to make a big, big deal out of it. It was just, yeah, I, I just know. threw it away. And that's what she's doing. She's kind of like, eh, I'll be back. It's it's trying not to hammer it too hard, I think is what they're doing. It's not. I Again, given the third option, I would rather just not do it at all. Okay, I, I get it. I, I, I also wish they hadn't done it, but only because they do it twice in this movie. And of the two, I would lose this one. But anyway, Agreed. I want to talk about, I have a note about the way that the Terminator, that the Rev-9 gets up from being knocked down. And it's the same way that John Connor, fake John Connor, 
stood up. It's like this weird backwards oh, thing. Oh, I know what you're talking about now, yes. When did this become a, a part of the Terminator franchise, the Terminators get up in a weird backwards way? I don't remember, but I definitely connect and remember it in Terminator Genesis. It was in the trailer, I think, in, in Genesis, yeah. where they revealed that John Connor was a robot in the trailer. That which was is, such a mistake. Yeah, what, what were they thinking? Such a mistake. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I, I just found it strange. Like, oh, they're still doing this weird backwards stand-up move. That I, I don't they, understand. I guess because it's robotic, I guess. Of, yeah, I think so. But they wanted you to forget everything, but I guess not that they didn't want you to forget from Terminator Genesis. But is it a, is it a callback to like T two? Did the T one thousand do this? And is this why no, every Terminator movie so. does this now? No, I don't think so. Because okay, I didn't. Think I don't so think either. the CGI was there to be able to do that kind of stuff. Is probably the main reason why they didn't do it in T two. Yeah, but the, some of that is practical. Not all. Not every single T one thousand effect. Like they could have like put Robert Patrick on wires and picked him up. And I I was trying to remember like is this I don't T two so. thing that they keep referencing? No, okay. I don't think so. I didn't think so either. So Sarah, not Sarah, I'm sorry, Danny and Grace do seal Sarah's truck, and it gives time for more exposition. We get a little bit of the exposition, actually, at first, in the first truck, and now we got another truck and more exposition to explain to Danny what's going on. Yeah, it is, it is definitely split up into pieces. Uh, what do we get here? We get... Uh, Poppy is gone. Yeah, the, 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 the Rev-9 can copy people. Copy Poppy? <laughs> Poppy's a little sloppy. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we get that for sure. Um, you've what got, else do we learn? Well, you've got you learn that Grace has her limitations. Oh right, because she's augmented and it was only designed for short bursts. Which yeah, which doesn't seems- make a lot of sense to me. <laughs> no, like I made an assumption that was later proved wrong in this movie because I was watching, going like, well, I guess if it's if it's powered by her metabolism and her metabol, you know, the human body is only accustomed to burning so many calories at a time, so it's like this is like hyper metabolism and it's like draining her of. You know, it's, it's like a huge strain. But then we learn later that she's got a power source in her chest, which should be powering all of these incredible You'd abilities. So. So I don't understand the limitations. It's a, it's a bet. I don't think it was very well fleshed out. No, I mean, it's deliberately vague, I think. It didn't want to have to... It, it was one of these don't think about it too much sort of, sorts of that's things. What, I think that's really the answer. It's just weird because it feels so unnecessary. Like, it's rarely enough of a problem that you feel like... The limitations that Grace has are, are is putting anybody in danger. Like here, like she gets sick or so, you know, whatever, and they break into a pharmacy and steal some drugs, and then they give them to her, and by and large, she's fine. I mean, it puts her out of commission for a while so that Sarah can catch up, and I guess maybe that's why they did it. That's basically. I I think it's more for plot reasons to yeah. give, to, frankly, to give Sarah a reason to be in the movie because if Grace basically is indes, now I shouldn't say indestructible, but pretty close to it. That she can always, if she doesn't have any weaknesses, then to me, Sarah is unnecessary. So I think that's really what the the reason for it was. I guess Sarah does sort of confirm those coordinates or whatever, which we're going to get to in a second. But I I guess, yeah, you don't really... The coordinates were tattooed. So, I mean, it's like you probably go there no matter what. Grace had them tattooed I guess, but like Grace doesn't know what they are. She doesn't, but Danny, we find out later it's Danny. They... I, I don't like the gymnastics. It it became pretty clear to me in theaters who Danny, what Danny was. Oh yeah. Oh, I I can pinpoint the exact moment where, which confirmed it. I suspected it, but then at one point before the movie reveals it, we're getting there soon. I don't want to jump ahead too much. Right. But well, th- actually, this is it. It's like, well, the the person who sent me back gave me the you know the, 
the oh, coordinates right. that are tattooed on. I'm like, well, it's clearly Danny. Right. Why are you playing coy about who sent you back? Yeah. That, I, yeah. And it is a problem with this movie is because they're trying to preserve that reveal that Danny is really the, the, the savior. <laughs> you mean they don't put it in the trailer? John Connor is a Terminator. Well, but this one, they should have revealed it I in agree. the trailer. Or should, yes. have, should have revealed it right here. Because for most of this movie, it's so mushy that you, you don't right. know, okay, why are the Be- Terminators back trying to kill Danny? We don't really know exactly until the, near the end of the movie because they're trying to preserve this reveal. And it's like, well... And I don't understand why, because Kyle Reese comes out and says, this is the reason why I'm here, right? right? I mean, Sarah doesn't know at first in the Terminator movie, but like as soon as Kyle Reese catches up to her, he tells her why. And in this movie, they try to justify it by saying, well, you from the future told me that you in the past wouldn't be able to handle it. But if anyone couldn't be able to handle it, it's Sarah Connor in 1984, right. this just waitress. A, yeah, just She's, a waitress going around and getting ice cream put in her. <laughs> yes. She obviously <laughs> couldn't reveal it. It couldn't handle it either. But it's like, <laughs> Kyle still told her because it's like, you need to know what's happening. Right, because in case I die, if run as fast as you can. Right. If you need to know all the information. I mean, think about it. If nobody, like, if somebody doesn't tell her, well, I don't know, maybe they were just trying to kill all these other people around me. I'm, I'm not going to run. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's it's crazy that they tried to come up with a reason for Grace not to tell Danny everything yeah. right away. Because, yeah, that's what makes the Terminator interesting is there's no ambiguity. You know exactly what's happening and why. Because That way, you know what you know is at stake. You know, and in this in this movie, for most of the movie, well, what if Danny is killed? What will ha- what will change in the future? We don't know for most of it. That's a mistake. I agree, and it, and they do a bad job of concealing it because I did. I had the exact same reaction as you. I'm just like, oh well, clearly, it's obvious what's happening here. That she's the new John Connor. Yes. Like, yeah, it was obvious. I'm not sure why they bothered. I don't think I picked it up on it here, but later in the train, we'll, we'll talk oh, about it when yeah, we get to the train. Happened. All right. So the one callback in fan service I did like, and I think Mackenzie Davis delivers it well, is. You put 100 cops between you and a Terminator, you wind up with 100 dead cops. Yeah, that is a good line. And it hasn't been overused either in the franchise, so I that one, it was, I think it's still fan service, but I was okay with oh, it. Oh, do you think it's a deliberate reference to the Terminator? That, that oh, yeah. It's, Arnold killed all those cops? Yes, without okay. a doubt. But she doesn't know that happened. I mean, that still happened in the past, so that's still a part of this world's history? Yeah, it's so, part of this world's history. But I'm saying, do you think that, are you saying that Grace, she knows what happened in 1984, and that's what she's specifically referring to what happened, or she's just saying conceptually? Uh, I think I think in Grace's case, it's probably conceptual, but in terms of the franchise, it's right. 100%. A, the movie a, is making a reference yes. to the first Terminator, but Grace is not. Yes. Okay. Yeah, in that case, I, I didn't necessarily connect it to the first Terminator, but yeah, it is a good line. You could see Kyle Reese saying the exact same thing. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, they get to the motel. Well, before that, no, yeah, we're doing beat by beat. Okay. So they go and they knock over a pharmacy because they, Grace needs drugs. Oh, I mentioned that. Oh, sorry. And then Sarah, Sarah does catch up with them after, after the robbery, which the robbery is semi-successful. Is it a robbery? They're just taking medicine that Grace It's a needs. robbery. You're I mean, sticking yes. up a pharmacy. Yes, they're they're stealing things from a pharmacy. But they're, they're not, not they're stealing not, money, yeah. but they're stealing supplies. Yeah, it, it is. Yes, okay. Whoa, fair hold on. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let me, did Anton Shigura, did he rob a pharmacy? He absolutely did. I mean, did. yes. They're, they're stealing things from a pharmacy. Thank you. I guess my definition of robbery, it's a fine line. Because like, if you steal... <laughs> no, but listen. <laughs> if... If a teenager steals a Kit Kat from a gas station, I wouldn't call it a robbery. Uh, you're right. That is like petty larceny yeah, yeah. or something. This is, I'm this telling is you, armed, yes. this is absolutely, she's got a gun and she's stealing drugs. Yes. They knocked over a pharmacy. Okay, fair enough. Have you ever seen <laughs> Drugstore Cowboy with Matt Dillon? I mean. I've never seen Drugstore okay, Cowboy. Okay, well, they, 
they went around stealing drugs from pharmacies. All right, fair enough. I'm going to have to recalibrate in the future my definition of robbery. Where is that? the line. It's a fine line of what a robbery is. But at some point, that line is somewhere between stealing a Kit Kat and yes, walking it out. Is. No, it is. And one is shoplifting. The other yes. is armed robbery. Yes, correct. There's uh, the gun. The presence of the gun here, I suppose. <laughs> Uh, puts it in the robbery category. You're correct. All right, so we we get the the three ladies. They go to a really bad uh, motel somewhere somewhere in Mexico. It's not really established where. Yeah, I mean they're just trying to hide out. We get all the the information about uh, Sarah's uh, technique of hiding her cell phone in chip bags. Uh, we do get that. I think before that though, we do get Grace in a flash. Forward, I guess, sequence, and you get a little bit of the future before Sarah gives that exposition. Do we? Oh, I, I have it. Well, if we, maybe get, it comes we get a, next. We get maybe a little. It comes yeah, next. It's, yeah. Well, I, I have it next. Maybe it, I put it out of it order. Probably but. no. It's probably next. And I, this is. I've got the chip bag stuff because I did enjoy the the line where it's like, oh, I keep my phone in a, a potato chip bag so it, it blocks the signal. It's like, why'd you get ten bags? I really like potato chips. <laughs> Didn't like potato chips. That's true. <laughs> also, I was, I liked her going. Like, I want it in a couple of states. 50, actually. <laughs> that actually is pretty good. I think Sarah's got some good dialogue in this movie. Uh, so we do then get the Flash to Grace. This I, I forgot when we were first talking about the, I guess those are the Rev 7s. Yeah. I said they reminded me of the aliens in The Edge of Tomorrow is actually with the tentacles. I, my note here, literally, this is word for word. It's a little too Edge of Tomorrow for my tastes. Yeah. I, this whole scene is a little too Edge of Tomorrow. I mean, it's it felt... Lifted. They're trying to update it for modern tastes, and that movie was well-liked, and I don't know if it's lifted, but it's inspired for sure. Yeah, and the thing is, I know um, one of the the behind-the-scenes with Tim Miller, he was saying that he was trying to come up with, okay, this this is supposed to be a different AI, different future, different Terminators. Right. So he was trying to go, all right, what the cutting to the chase was. Don't want them to kill the same way. Don't want them to use guns effectively because that's what that's kind of what you think of in the previous Terminators. You get it turning, you know, at you at the screen. Yeah. So you didn't want that. So the natural and maybe it was subconscious. I don't know. It just felt too edge of tomorrow because it seemed like the same thing. Well, and their equipment too, like that transport they're flying, which I think is a cool design, but it didn't feel very Terminator to me. Like it has these little like repulsors. There are like four of them. And they kind of move around and keep it like yep. steady, like almost in an Iron Man sort of a way. Yes. You know, and then uh, it had their their, like helmets and their guns, and um, it's it it was much more military, like modern military tech than the first two Terminators, which is just like hard scrabble, yeah, Yeah. ragtag, like scrounging together whatever equipment we can. Like this felt much more organized in a way that yes, feels very different. Not not necessarily worse, but well, I'm glad we had the same note that it was very Edge of Tomorrow. Oh yeah, which is a movie I do enjoy. I, I I did like Edge of Tomorrow. I liked the first two acts of Edge of Tomorrow, and then the yeah, ending. Okay. I really did not like how. Really? It was. Yeah. Oh, okay. I don't. I don't want to spoil Edge of Tomorrow, but it's kind of an old movie. Should I? Uh, it's spoil, very old. Spoil? It's probably a decade old now. I doubt it's that old. It's probably six, seven years old. Okay. Um, six years and ten years. That's a big difference. Um. Anyway, uh, spoilers for Edge of Tomorrow. Skip ahead thirty seconds. But uh, the instant that. Tom Cruise loses his whatever powers that he has, and then is suddenly invincible. That drove me crazy. Okay, it's like you've died a thousand times, and now suddenly you can't be harmed. You know, it just it just seemed really convenient to me. But it wow. was, but for the most part, it was pretty interesting. I, I liked mo- the concept, and I liked the movie on the whole. I would say I liked the movie. Yeah. Right. I just didn't like the ending. Anyway, well, fair enough. It was good enough for the Terminator franchise to to lift. 
some of its concepts. Yeah, and some of this feels a little like unique. Like there's these like robots that just kamikaze themselves down and explode and kill a bunch of them. And so here's my question about this sequence, which I'm unclear about because there there's someone injured, and I forget what they refer to the person, like the commander. Like oh, the commander, get the commander inside, make sure the commander is safe. Is this supposed to be Danny? Yeah, I wasn't Danny. clear. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't entirely sure. Yeah, the, some of the deleted scenes, you get some actually in the deleted scenes, and you, the commander, it, you see it, it's Danny in the, in the distance. Oh. So. When would they have revealed that? Would they have revealed it here? No, because it's, it's Grace volunteering for augmentation in a different scene. She's basically like in a, in a ho- not a hospital, but she's in a hospital bed. Right. Like recovering from injuries, and she volunteers there as opposed to what they show in the movie, which is her like barely still alive and volunteering right then. And there. Yeah, it seems like the implication, the version of the movie, the implication is that she would have died if she didn't let them do that. Yes, and so I, I think it was a choice. It was they made a choice to change the process of augmentation. Is like you need to be almost on your debt. You know, like you're going to die without it for them to accept it. I think they changed it because. It looked like she might recover but not ever be a soldier again in, in the deleted scene, and she volunteers. Okay. And, and you see, the point being is you see Danny as the commander. But I think, but do you see it here? Like, I think that would have been a good place to reveal it. No, you it's do right, not see right it here. here. What I'm saying is in oh, the deleted the, scene, you She you volunteers see, later in the movie. Yes. And that's what it originally was planned. And okay, that's I don't know if it was planned because it's only, it just says deleted. You know, I'm just watching the scene. It doesn't say where it would have been in sequence. Yeah, I think it would have been nice. I think it would have made more sense to reveal to the audience, oh, Danny is the leader, and we know, but then Grace still doesn't reveal it. But whatever. Yeah. Again, like, it's the scene is confusing because they're trying to hide that Danny is the commander. Yes. And so I was left going, like, is that supposed to be Danny? I just wasn't sure. All so right. Grace finally wakes up after getting... <laughs> Sarah puts together a mixture of medicine that she... I'll give the script credit. It admits she's like, I have no idea. (laughs) Right. I don't know how much I'm supposed to give. I just mixed it up and put it in. We'll see what happens. Yeah, she's doing what she can. Yes. Grace eventually comes back to... And I do enjoy that Sarah thinks she has control of the situation as she has locked Danny out and has a gun pointed on Grace. (laughs) Grace it's like five seconds and takes control of the situation. I mean, it does kind of reduce Sarah in in a way because she's supposed to be, especially now after all these years, she's supposed to be like really tough cookie and know her stuff and know how to survive. And for her to get, I mean, I know that, that, that she's augmented, but stand back five feet. It's like that scene in, uh, um, kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Oh yes. Yep. yep. The professional stand five feet back. So you can't just take the gun. (laughs) All, All Sarah had to do was stand back five feet. She would have been fine. Oh, that's an underrated movie. I think people appreciate it now. I think it's been discovered now that Robert Downey Jr. is a giant that pro- star. That probably has really helped. Yeah, that, helps, that helped a lot. Uh, anyway, I, I do like the explanation here. She talks about John's death, and since she hunts Terminators, like ever since then, she gets coordinates from mystery person, and she... She drinks, and she hunts Terminators. She hunts Terminators. I really like the implication, because it explains something from T2 that didn't make sense to me at the time. And I think this actually puts it in perfect context. I remember talking about it in T2 where it's like in the first Terminator, we understand, okay, they sent the Terminator back to kill Sarah Connor. And then the, the human sent Kyle back to protect her. Very clean, very easy. And then T2 happens. It's like, well, who sent the T1000 back? Who sent, I mean, I guess John sent the reprogrammed T800. Yeah. We know that, but like, when did they go back? You know, like if the humans won, when did, the, the machines have an opportunity. Why did they send it to 1991 slash five, whatever year that's supposed to be? You know what I mean? Like it's, it, it's not quite as clean. And 
Dark Fate explains, you know, Skynet just sent like 20 of them back at yeah. random points. And I love that explanation of just like, there was no plan. They just like buckshotted Terminators back in time. They figured one's got to succeed, <laughs> Yeah, right? exactly. Find either John or Sarah and kill them and figure it out. Which is why, like, for instance, the Terminator in the first movie, he had to go to the phone book. He didn't have any intel. It's just like, we're sending you to random places in time. And you guys sort of do your best. Exactly. And I love the idea of this. I, I think it That's, explains a, a lot. Point. Yeah. And uh, I also love the idea of, uh, to use video game, game terms, uh, the Sarah just kind of spawn camps these Terminators. They just show up and just get take a rocket to the face. <laughs> just totally nude. The Terminator lands somewhere and she's, she's have, just there. Kaboom. I thought about that. The image of that just makes me laugh a lot. It is kind of funny, though, when you really think about it. Because <laughs> it, it also gives... Like credence of like how how could Sarah you know no offense she may be the you know one of the toughest female heroes of all time right but by by herself taking on a Terminator yeah but when you when you put it that way you literally if you've got exactly just just be waiting there with a rocket launcher yeah I could see how she could probably win because she's getting both coordinates in location and in time of when they're gonna so she knows she can just plant like a circle of mines like you know just all kinds of stuff. You know, that, it, it's ba- that, it literally is like a video game. There is a, a video game comic sequence of that of Sarah Connor <laughs> yeah. setting different types of like wild e coyote yep. type traps yeah, for totally. Terminators to get destroyed in I mean, different ways. I would hope she's getting creative with it, or you know, That's, a bucket of acid and she's just, dialing it up a notch. Yeah, absolutely, just like ten flamethrowers. Just yeah, be creative. All right, so you what we get is Danny does come back and she's not happy. She's been locked out. We get a little more exposition here before they're going to hit the road. You find out the grace, you get the year, 2042, yeah. is what I have as the year. So you're right, it is not, not that far, far in the future. future. We see her as a child, and she's, you know, and she's not, you know, she's, what, in her 20s, mid to late 20s, I would say? Yeah, I think so, yeah. So, you know, that's, <laughs> it is really close. Yeah. And that, I don't know what that says about our perception of the world now versus 1984 of, like, Screenwriters believe that the apocalypse is much coming well, much sooner than they did, you know, Carl did back then. Carl's calculation is like seventy some percent, That's even true. without rogue AI. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't give a time frame though. No, he does yeah, not. Yeah. Uh, so then they wind up getting back in the car after that because you already touched on that. Sarah reveals her story about John and Skynet, uh, and that she drinks and she hunts Terminators. So they get back in the car. And it's more exposition. It's like in every Terminator movie, you're in a car, it's time for exposition. Yeah, I mean, it's a good place to do it. It's, you know, the, in most of these movies, they have to travel from place to place, you know, so may as well use that to, to their advantage. I like the detail that Sarah had her own episode of America's Most Wanted. That was good. <laughs> That's a funny detail to me. I just the, was the, imagining that the episode, what it would be like. The only thing is that putting the, that stuff out there, I agree, I like it, it's funny, but it does make it hard to believe that Carl would be able to stay off the radar. That that's the only thing because Carl because he still looks like Arnold would be like public enemy number 1. That's a good point because we know from T2 that uh you know when he reappears it's like this is the guy who shot up that police station. Yes. Yeah, that's, Not only that's did he a good shot point. Up, shoot up a police station, he also then kept ho- the entire like LA Police force right. at bay in T2. Yes, with a no mini, fatalities, yeah, but a minigun like yeah. you hold this. <laughs> that's a fantastic point i didn't think about i mean i guess maybe he's aged enough that like i mean they do put him in a beer i mean they they try yeah but it's hard to believe and it, yeah that's that's a pretty the that's, thing that's, is that's not as uh, insignificant it's either. not now the thing is i don't want to throw away carl that's the problem oh totally 
And I also want Carl to have a very public business because it absolutely makes the best stuff in this movie. I agree. We're getting to that soon. But I, I have a solution. I've come up okay. with a solution for you. Devil's advocate. Because, Thank you. Because we know, yes, uh, we know. Should I just play the theme since we're, we're doing it? You might. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered <laughs> immediately. <laughs> we need more Arnold on this. So. <laughs> we're hitting every Arnold button on this soundboard. Yes. Which, uh, appropriately so. Um, but we know now that T-800s have been flooding into the past from the future, like, forever. So at some point, they probably came Maybe across they, his, they, <laughs> they found a corpse one, like, well, this guy's dead. You may have the answer. Yeah. Sarah they found another corpse. Sarah blew up some probably maybe T-800. Although in this, she actually says she's only gotten three so far. Oh, why but, did she say that? I, I missed uh, that. We'll, we'll probably get it to, to it in my notes. Oh, I, okay. But, but when we get there... Maybe one of them did look like Carl, and if so, then I might believe it that they might say, "All right, we've He's we been got declared this guy. dead. Yeah. He might be declared dead." So Carl could just stay in hiding, yeah, not leaving you hanging. Yeah, totally. I, mean, I don't know how Carl is able to operate like a small business. I don't know. He, he's <laughs> just wait. <laughs> have a social security card? Like, how did he get all? There's so many things I want to talk yeah, about. Yeah, I'm sure he pays taxes. All right, so with this exposition is actually, so you, they lean real close to basically telling you, because Grace talks, my commander gave me these coordinates. I mean, they're, when they're, it's on, like, when, when they're on the train, because they take a train to the border. Yeah, yeah this is where I kind of rolled my eyes. Cause, well, in particular, it's the line where uh, Sarah's like, oh, so you're you're the one who's, who will give birth to the man who will lead the resistance. I'm like, why did she specifically say man? Like, that's suspicious. And then we're like, okay, yeah, they're setting it up to be the reveal of, no, it's not a man. It's Danny herself. Yeah, I, I mean, look, with I, whatever. I, I'm going to leave that. that your aunt, you're right. It was really punching you in the face Yeah, to the point where it's like, all right, I don't have any issue with the hero of saving humanity being a woman. Totally. It's fine. But then don't have it as, like, this big secret. Who cares? Fine. It's, it's and I, Like I said earlier, I think the movie, by and large, handles the kind of gender politics very well. I think this is the only exception, and it's, it's because it's pandering. They could have depicted it exactly the same way and not patted themselves on the back for it. But because they went like, oh, you know, it, it, you know what it is? It's the, uh, I can't operate in this man. This is my son. It's, it, you know, that riddle. Yep. It's that turned into a Terminator story. Because yes. it's just You're like... Right. The, the whole thing of Sarah assuming, oh, you're going to give birth to the man who will, which I don't buy necessarily that she would assume that, you know, that her like life experience would yeah. cause her to make that assumption. That seems strange to me. But then also it's just, it, it does feel like the only moment where the movie is going like, we made the John Connor a woman. Isn't that cool what we did? It's like, just do it. Don't comment on it. Don't yeah. pat yourself on the back. Well, just in particular, it. I mean, look, for the most part, although actually I think some of the best stuff and actually even some of this action is actually Carl. But, I mean, the the majority of this story, I mean, think about it. The first half of this movie already, it's all female protagonists that are all the heroes in yeah. this. And so you, you never have, once think, it never once feels strange, and never once right. feels like they're... So, but this calling attention to it actually is kind of like insulting. It's yeah, like you... Totally. So what you're now telling me is you actually were trying to make a point about it. But it, I'll actually argue it's been undermined because when you then get to the back half of the movie, ultimately it's a, it's a team and group effort. But I would argue that without Carl, I'm not sure that it ends the way that it ends. And I'll actually argue some of this. And now some of it's because he is also a Terminator. Right. But some of the best exchanges and punches is easily between the Rev-9 and Carl, without a doubt. Oh, no, I, I agree. I mean, I, I, but also I think a lot of the fights between the Rev-9 and Grace are very good. They are. I, I like the one in the auto plant. So it's, it's good. Like, You're right. Like, 
at no point was this movie either pitched in the marketing or presented in the movie itself as like it's the female Terminator. Well, you know what I, I think mean? They, I think they learned from a different franchise exactly that that would be a mistake. Well, but that's the thing. Like, I mean, I, I thought the female Terminator, or the, uh, the female Ghostbusters movie, was terrible. But aside from that. That movie did feel like pandering because it was just like... It was trying to put it in your face. But it, to be clear, I think what you said earlier, I also feel about Ghostbusters. Was like it, the, the issue isn't that they're, they're women. I'm fine with a movie that's female Ghostbusters. It's the fact that they're putting it in this context of like, you have to like this or else you're against this. Right. You know what you're I mean? You're sexist it's, is basically it, what the message is. And, and, and Ghostbusters went a step further of casting... Hemsworth, I, it went over the top that way. This movie was not, other than this line, I, to be honest, if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't have thought twice. Yeah, totally. I mean, it never once crossed my mind until oh. they started doing this. And it's, but it, at the same time, I don't want to put us on the same side of like those men's rights weirdos. Yeah, you no, know what I mean. I, like, it, the, I'm not the there. issue isn't that they're doing it. I like, like you said, if, if not for this one mistake, you know, oh, you give birth to the man. Take out the word man and just, you know, right. I think everything is fine. Because and and I love know? I love the fact that it's it's most you, of this movie is three women kicking right. ass and it's great and you don't need to pat yourself on the back for it. That's all. and in particular giving birth, it's a fifty fifty shot, right? How do you know? It, let's just say Danny is the mother. How couldn't it not just right. be a woman, Sarah? Right? Yeah, the reveal shouldn't be about her gender. It should be about her identity, her 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 role in the future. Like if they want to make it a reveal, like oh, you're not the mother of the future, you are the leader. Who, yeah, and and you know. It's just so strange that they made Sarah, especially Sarah, if it had been a different character. I know. It's so strange that she's the one making that assumption. So ultimately, we'll get back on track. They decide, well, we're going to go to these coordinates in Laredo because Sarah's phone coordinates, the origin of her getting the coordinates to fight the Terminators of basically doing Wile E. Coyote on them. Uh, is the same coordinates that Grace has tattooed on her. So it's clear we need to go to Laredo, Texas, and I think is a, a pretty interesting and good dynamic because it sets up a way for the Rev-9 to wake its way back into the story as a law enforcement officer and being somewhat topical in yeah. you know the, the current environment of oh, moving is, over the border from between Mexico and the United States. Yeah, I think this, this part of it is very much deliberately topical. Yeah. I'm not sure if the gender stuff is deliberate, but I think this is very. Uh, this is the movie trying to take advantage of a current events it, issue. Without and, a doubt, you're yes. Yeah, I, I think actually on the earlier point it is as well, but Prob- whatever. probably. Yeah, it's a good choice too because it it is plausible as well as topical. Yeah, and then you got thing you've got some some practical sequence. I love the fact here of when they so Danny makes the connection that her uncle is a coyote that sneaks people across the border, so that's who they're going to go meet up with. Right. And the Rev-9 is ultimately catching up. Yeah, he, he sees some footage, like a, some kind of security footage of them getting onto this train. And then he says, well, the train goes to Laredo. I guess I'll go there. Yeah. Which is weird to me because they could jump off at any point. This assumption that he's just like, well, they're, they're obviously going to the end of the line. Like, you don't know that. but whatever. That's fair. I mean, but what I he, does, he, he does figure out is that it's, well, I guess maybe not. But I, more likely than not, the calculation is they're probably headed to the United States so, but he doesn't know about the coordinates. The I guess Nine right. doesn't know what their plan is. He's just trying to track them down. He makes a very strange assumption. That, in my opinion, that is that. That's yeah. I hadn't thought that through. That is a weak link here. Of yeah, they could jump off at any point. Yes, I mean this is the point in the movie. Like I, I always like this part of a Terminator movie, and only some of them do this. Like in, in T two, where the, the it's the reverse. They go down to Mexico, and they have escaped. The T one thousand has no idea where they are, and he has no way to reacquire them. The only reason why they end up 
colliding again is because they go back to try to stop Judgment Day. Yep. That's the only reason. Otherwise, they would they were away scot-free. They could have done it more in that vein of like, well, we could stay here in Mexico and just hide, or we could find out more or try to learn. About Legion. Uh, yeah, about Legion. We've got these coordinates, and let's, you know, Sarah's been through this before, and we know that her, her preference is to try to stop the apocalypse from happening. They could have made it about that instead of like, mystery man at these coordinates. Let's find out who it is. They, they, I guess... Danny in the future said, go there if they get into trouble. Well, Danny, they're, they're inherently in trouble. <laughs> By definition, they're, they're in trouble. inherently in trouble, but Danny said it because she knows, because she's experienced the history, that Carl is ultimately necessary to stop the Rev-9. Right. Yeah, so Danny could have told Grace, hey, when we're on that plane, that's when you can tell me, because <laughs> I know what happens. <laughs> You're right. That, that's also a weird part, is the person sending... Or back. I guess this is also true of John Connor. Yeah, and T2. John sends the T. John sends T. Hunter back. He already knows what's going to happen. I guess that's true. Yeah. So they had. They're making their way towards the the border crossing and the Rev Nine. I I do like weaving in and taking control of the drone. And ultimately, I I like the smart the smart play. And I thought it through at first. I'm like, well, wait a minute. Why is it crashing the drone? Why didn't it do it sooner? Right. And I thought about it. I'm like, you know what? I think what it wanted to do is confirm for a hundred percent that Danny was there and not necessarily maybe somewhere else. So once, so he radios ahead and says they're part of the Sinaloa, uh, Mex- the drug cartel. He tries to get the border patrol to kill them. He's like, they're armed and dangerous. Yeah. Uh, lethal f- forces authorized. I was going to go like just one guy in like a, <laughs> and a, a console can just <laughs> authorize lethal force. That did, that is a bit of a leap, but I, I like that. So I, I mean, want, they, they don't use lethal force in the end, so maybe he can't. No, they, and see, but that's where I think that it does make sense, so that he's tracking, because he probably figures he can get the Border Patrol to do the dirty work for him, but yeah. if he doesn't, his plan B is, I'll just crash the drone into them. <laughs> right. So I actually think it is the smart play. So he uses the drone, because if he crashes it and misses, he loses where Danny might be. Right. But if he keeps it there, gets them captured, one of two things happens. Either Border Patrol takes care of it for him, or if he crashes the drone and it doesn't work, he knows where she's going to be. Right. So at first, I'd like the first thing I'm like, why doesn't he just crash the drone immediately? I thought it through. I'm like, no, yeah. I think this is a smart play. No, I agree with everything you just said. I think yeah. uh, you thought it through correctly. Well, my my thing about that, I want to back up a little bit about something. But while we're talking about this, was okay. A drone just randomly crashes while they're bringing in <laughs> these these prisoners, and the border patrol doesn't seem to be concerned about it at all. They're concerned about uh, Grace's bulletproof skin and stuff. Oh, what's this? They, they find all that. But nobody goes like, hey, why did that drone crash? Like, maybe we should lock down this base. <laughs> maybe we should like be concerned about this. Nobody <laughs> seems to mind. It's like, that happens every day. That, that, I'm going to assume, devil's advocate, I'm going to assume <laughs> some other area of law enforcement is investigating, like, hey, how did we lose one of these drones? And it, it probably killed somebody there. It didn't get any of our our heroes, but I'm going to guess some Border Patrol officers are much worse for wear after that drone crash. Yeah, I don't think I counted anybody. It was not clear. Okay. I want to back up a little bit because there's a scene with Danny's uncle. Just briefly, I want to mention this because they try to convince, like, she just flat out tells them, like, there's robots coming after us. Like, wow, just you're just coming right out. And in the way that they convince him that they're telling the truth is Grace, like, cuts a fly oh, in half yeah, that's I, flying to the air. Yeah, I didn't really like that. Um, well, I wanted to bring it up because uh, since this is a bad puns of machine guns episode, this is a thing we used to track is oh. violence towards animals in Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> movies. So here's another it example counts. of that. But they just buy it. Like, oh, yeah, they're obviously a robot of some kind. Yes, cut that fly in half. Who else could do that? Yeah. She got off easy. Arnold had to take his own arm off. 
Your Arnold had to prove that he was a robot. He had to pull his whole damn arm off. She just got to fly in half. They're like, yep, you're you're some kind of robot. And poor Miles Dyson's wife, her reaction. Oh, yeah. Horrifying. <laughs> As I would be, too. Yeah, yeah Grace. Yeah, I'll just cut this fly. If only Arnold knew. I just cut the fly in half and then tell him I'm a Terminator. Do you know, are there any insects in the house? <laughs> right. <laughs> Throw a baseball in the air and I'll take a samurai sword and cut it in half. <laughs> Yeah, it just it just seems like very convenient to me. I'm just like, okay, right. we'll, we'll believe this, this crazy story you told us about robots, but you kind of fly in half, so it must be. Mr. True. Miyagi probably could have done that. <laughs> he tried to catch a fly with chopsticks. Mr. Miyagi's not a Terminator, as far as I know. As far as you know, that's <laughs> true. Maybe there's that crossover we've been waiting for. I don't know, <laughs> Mr. Anybody, Mi- I'm not sure anybody is waiting for that one. Well, that'll show up in season three of uh, of Cobra Kai. All right, suddenly so, the Terminators <laughs> arrived. So let's let's talk about the the detention center. Yes, not not they're not prisoners; they're detainees. Yes, that's the, probably the most uh, pointed comments is that moment. Well, yeah, and that 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 guard who was just in processing, she was not interested in at all what anybody had to say, and she. She got a little bit of comeuppance. Yeah. They didn't really call attention to it, because I don't think I noticed in the theaters that that was that same woman. Uh, I was like, oh, that woman. That for the cause what Danny says, you're in danger. I'm not in danger. I'm in processing. processing yes. She <laughs> clearly is a, a bureaucrat. Oh, yes. yeah, definitely. She gets a little comeuppance. I don't think I recognize it in theaters either, but I definitely, as soon as we went through it, I'm like, well, you got your comeuppance for not listening. It is interesting, because, yeah, Sarah and everybody, they're detained. The one random guy who... So I'm a new character, and I caught you, Sarah Kiner, and let's he, go. He is, and I can tell you, he is the actor in the behind-the-scenes blown away, you know, because he's doing an American accent, which I didn't realize. He is, uh, like, as Irish as can be. Okay. <laughs> I can kind of, yeah. Did you pick up that it was a, an accent? It was a good enough accent that I didn't question it, but now yeah. that you say that, it's like, yeah, I could see how that American accent was maybe a tiny bit off. Oh, yeah, no, so he, he definitely was, uh, I mean, very Irish yeah. when when speaking of just talking about him being in the movie. It was good enough. In it too. Yeah, no, it was fine. Yeah. Um, but she, yeah, she gets her own separate cage because she is one of America's most wanted. Yeah, they don't make it to that cage. No, the the Rev Nine shows up and then Grace breaks out and sets off the fire alarm. There's Which, act- yeah, that was a good strategy. Scene. I I like the strategy of the fire alarm. Yeah, and just freeze all that just creates chaos by <laughs> releasing all the detainees. Yes. Um, no, but I I thought it was interesting how all of these prisoners I'm going to call them prisoners all these prisoners have been released and are just running around like crazy. And the Border Patrol is just all over the Rev-9. They, they don't... Yeah, they identify that the Rev-9 is a threat immediately, which, to their credit, like, yes. they, they realize... They know where the problem is. They just can't do anything. He's dressed like Border Patrol. You would think they'd be like, help us catch round up yeah. all these guys, and they're not fooled at all. They, no, they, <laughs> but they're also helpless Oh, yeah, they, there's nothing they could do. There's a lot of bodies here. I can... I, my, I'm behind Did you, my yeah, notes I, here, I, I, there's, uh, there's at least like 20. I was going to say, I, I thought I counted at least 15. Because uh, there's probably like 10 Border Patrol agents at a minimum that I, bite it. I got 23 here. Wow. The Rev-9 is wrecking shop. Yeah, this is where you really see it. Because there's a one point where they're like, they've got them like tackled, like five guys <laughs> right. on top of them. Like, like linebackers. Oh, oh that's not going to be good for you guys. He just becomes like a starfish. He's just yes. like... Just when from all done. angles, yeah, not much you could do there. I mean, some of it is the script has to have them recognize because they need somebody to slow the Rev Nine down while they beeline it for the helicopter, right? And uh, there's a moment where Danny jumps off to help Sarah, and Grace is like, "You can't do that. You're you're too too amazing. important. You're, you're yeah, too, important. too important. Doesn't really nothing really comes of it. It doesn't seem like she was really in that much danger. No, so because um, the Rev Nine makes a jump, gets a li- gets his hand just on it, but not enough, and yeah. He, 
For causing as much damage, I have a problem with the script when he, he asks a couple of Texas Rangers you see outside. <laughs> I was just about to comment because that's the next scene. Unnecessary scene, but I don't know. Something about these two Texas Rangers. Like, what, what happened here? Oh, for, chaos. I, for some reason, I had in my mind there was Jeff Bridges in Hell, and High Wa- Hell or High Water. Just They, they show up, yeah. and then he asks them, like, hey, where can I get a helicopter? Because this is this is actually where the Rev-9 does try and like blend in, and where you see Gabriel Luna, where if they had gone more of that route, I think he really could have knocked it out of the park. Yeah, this, this interaction with these guys, and also earlier when he goes to the metal detector, and he's like, it's going to beat yeah. my whole body as a weapon. <laughs> no, yeah, no, because I skipped over it, but they do have a good cover story. He's like, you know, uh, yeah, uh, metal artificial hip, hip. Yeah, artificial hip tour in Afghanistan. He plays it off there like law enforcement. And then with these guys, I can't, I can tell you, I never prayed. I mean, just being able to identify, oh, we're in Texas. I never prayed more than I in my life in those five, yeah, minutes, five minutes or whatever it is to befriend these guys. Yeah, this, this there's this kind of chunk of movie here where this character the rev nine becomes more interesting and seems like he's using his kind of he's, he's personable and he's actually like right using social skills to get what he wants i mean unclear what happens here he says hey do you know where i can get a helicopter it's like did they just tell him here's where you can get a helicopter i think so it just cuts like he cuts the, the it, next scene it cuts none of the deleted scenes show him you know killing anybody to get the helicopter right uh, I think he just because it is it's a police helicopter, so I think he they just told him and he went and got a police and talked his way into a police helicopter. Some some random uh, border patrol guy can just requisition a police helicopter. Apparently so. My my only issue with it though is that the Rev Nine had to be on video camera inside the detention center right. as a human starfish. You would think <laughs> they'd be like, you need to stop this guy. And he's talking to them in his using the face that he normally uses. Yes, like he's still got the border patrol uniform on. Yeah, you'd think he would at least disguise himself. Like I'm not the crazy guy who went nuts in there. I'm a different border patrol. He was disguised as, as a different person earlier. Was it a woman? He comes into yes. one of those little so uh, cubicles. We, we yeah, skipped over when yeah. he takes control of the drone. Right. He has disguised himself as military because the drones clearly would be U.S. military. I, I do think Border Patrol has drones, but it looked like it was actually a military and Air oh, Force. Okay. I assume those were Border Patrol drones. But, you know, the, the four guys in there, plus whoever the woman he is, yeah, they were all gone because he took out all four in to take control of the drone and to be able to assume whoever she was. She clearly didn't make it either. Yeah, okay. You're, I didn't. Count her either, I think. So, yeah, she, I, gotta, so I gotta two. add two. I gotta add to the, at the end of this. All right. So we then get where we've been yes. probably spending this entire episode to get to. We finally arrived at Carl's. Carl's Draperies. When we were, at, I mean, I, I, we knew Arnold was in this movie, and yeah. so the whole. And we're, I'm looking at him like we're an hour in. <laughs> yeah, I think at this point we we're like, this must be Arnold. Yeah, this, yeah. About, you can't introduce anybody else at this point. <laughs> but I seem to remember they walk past the Carl's Draperies van. And I think already in the theater we were laughing. <laughs> I, I think we should just say now. Almost every scene that Arnold is in this movie, we were in the theater just cackling, and I think most of the theater no was like, was no one else was laughing, and we just thought some of the stuff, I mean, some more was funnier than others, but man, Carl is the best. I'm going to tell you, okay, so here's the reason why, for you and me in particular, when you get the shot of the van, because as you said, you're we're like an hour in, you know... Arnold has filmed, you know, stuff in this movie. Yeah. So you're out. It's clear when you see a van, Carl's draperies, he has not been in the movie at all. Yeah. You get coordinates saying you got to go meet, you know, to this place. It's clear it's going to be Arnold's reveal. It's got to be Arnold. So then you then take you and me who have had taken Terminator Genesis and a throwaway line and had our imaginations run wild for a long time. Yeah. We're actually seeing like our idea come to, I know, look, clearly nobody at Paramount, Tim, nobody had actually listened to our podcast, but 
it's like the concept of what we wanted to see happen is happened. Well, to be clear, in, in Genesis, he talks about how he had a job, a construction job, and <laughs> until, he laid until he got laid off because they're breaking into the place that he he, he built. built a, he built Cyberdyne. Yeah, it's, it's a similar dynamic in Genesis where he was a Terminator who was living and just yeah. living a life for a long time, waiting around to do something. Yeah, in that case, he did have a purpose. He had a mission. He just had to wait for. He just had to sit around and wait. Yeah, so he he decided I'm gonna go. That's what we loved as a concept. Well, I know I've got to wait until they. Move forward in time. So what am I going to do while I'm seeing? Well, I'll go get a job, <laughs> right. I guess. And we had this in, uh, such a great discussion and like imagination. And now, even before we said a line, it didn't matter. It was shorthand for you and me. We've gotten our wish come true. Yeah. And then I missed it until you said it. To, I didn't see on the truck because I was laughing too hard. We won't leave you hanging. The fact that this Terminator has that sense of humor, it's such a genius line, a tagline. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, Carl is uh, good at his job in every single way. He really is. Yeah, but I think what's so, what's extra funny to me about Carl, as opposed to Pops and It was Genesis, Pops, yeah. Um, is everything Pops did, the job he got was in service of his mission, because he knew that at some point... Sarah and Kyle were going to show up. And yeah, exactly. Because didn't he like plant explosives? He like hid it in the concrete or something yeah. so that they could blow it up later. So yeah. that was all in service of a mission. Whereas Carl, he's just living a life. He, he, li- he literally is becoming more human. He talks about how, you know, once once the future changed and Cyberdyne no longer he existed. He completed a mission. He didn't have anything to do. He had no further orders and he it, it freed him to make his own choices in life and live his life the way he wanted to, which is... Extra funny that a Terminator decided draperies. That's what I want to do with my life. You know what I mean? Like, a, a Terminator doing a construction job as a means to an end to complete a mission, okay, that, that fits with everything we know about Terminators. But a Terminator deciding to become a drapery uh, small, a, a business small business owner, owner uh, it's amazing. It's so good. It's it's a perfect choice. <laughs> this is the best stuff in the movie by leaps and bounds. Like the, yeah, especially I, this kind of downbeat where they kind of hang out at Carl's house yeah. and... It's frequently very, very funny. It's also frequently very emotional. Once they leave this house, it just becomes kind of more action sequences. Yeah, it's just chase sequence. And it's fine, but this stretch of the movie is the highlight of... And I think this might be one of my favorite stretches of all the Terminator franchises. That's probably fair. This stuff at Carl's house. I mean, because... I love it. It's from both ends of the spectrum, too, because here's Mm -hmm. where you get... Probably Linda Hamilton's best um, of that she can't remember John's face because of the pictures. You get that aside. And even before the scene that will come just after they leave, which is probably the funniest that is not only in this movie, in any of them. The first time that when I couldn't believe the rest of the audience with us was not laughing is that when Sarah takes... Points the pistol and fires three in the coat. Yeah. This will be very difficult to explain to Elise. <laughs> I nearly pissed myself. And I'll tell you, Arnold Schwarzenegger has not he lost, has lost it. it at all. Not in the slightest. He understands his persona and what's funny about it. Yes, he does. Better than any actor alive. And he's in his 70s and he's not getting any work anymore. And it's a shame because he's still got it. He, really he is great in this movie. This will be very difficult to explain to Alicia. I honestly think because there's also a lot of very emotional stuff that his character goes through. And not th- he has no emotions, but it's still emotional for, at least for me as an audience member. And... I honestly think this might be Arnold's best performance in a Terminator movie. Ooh, that's a He's good question. So good in this movie. He's doing a, a lot of great stuff, without a doubt. Um, because it it definitely has dialed it back, which is smart. From it's not T three stand up comedian Terminator. Actually, right. really, actually, the Terminator ride 
When, when you really, well, he was my college roommate. That really is full on stand up comedian. Well, but he, he is very funny. He even says, I'm very funny. That's, that's the other secret. He is, this is the When fun- he explains how Alicia could have a relationship with a robot, is I. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, let's walk through this sequence because I mean right. we, we're going very long. We're, we're out of t- practice and we're going pretty slowly through this movie, so we fine. We should pick up. Uh, but anyway, well, we did, can't I, skip over this stuff. Well, I do. We're introduced with the shot of the back of his head, and he's watching a college football game. Oh, I missed that. We, I'm sure you can guess. I I found out which college football game this is. He's watching North Carolina State versus Boston College. November 16th, 2013 is when this game happened. Wow. Because the score is 17 to 7 with 443 in the third quarter. And I said, I got to find a game where that was the case. <laughs> and I eventually found it. And it was I in, can't believe you put that much time in. Well, it didn't take that long. I just had to go through some box scores. But uh, yeah, 2013 was, is when this game NC happened. NC State and who? And Boston College. Uh, oh, well, that, that is conference. So that actually, they do play often enough where it was a little bit of work for Yeah, I had to check every year. I went yeah. back. I, I eventually went like. Did they like CGI the score? Because why would they do this? This is like a half a second shot. <laughs> That's awesome. But I eventually found the game. So, so my question is: This is a game that happened in in 2013. I don't think this movie is taking place in 2013, right? No, I don't think so. I, I think it's supposed to be present. We day. don't get the exact year, but we get 22 years later from when John died. Uh, okay. That has to be mid to late 90s. So well, I, was, I would assume it's taking place in 2019. John, no, so. The Guatemala scene was definitely 98, so go f- oh, okay. forward 22 years. So 2020. Yeah, so it's supposed to be present. Okay. So my here's here's my I, – I had some speculation about why is he watching. He lives in Texas. He was, he's watching some random Boston yeah, College. And, and North ACC, Carolina. you're right. That, that's not even like the conference that he'd right. be interested in. He's watching some random game from 2013. You think he's a gambler? I didn't think about that. Well, you can't gamble on a game that happened seven years ago. So maybe unless he's reliving. Oh yeah, that's right. It's in the past. <laughs> it's in the past. That's what I'm oh. saying. Is why is he watching why this game he... from seven years ago? Okay. No team that's local. I have a theory about. Uh, this. I want to hear your theory. So my theory is that you know he's a Terminator and he's very logical and he he has to learn what to do with his free time and he just well this is what people do they watch college football in that's their free true. time. See, he just has one game recorded on his DVR from seven years ago, and he's just like, I, I want to watch the game, and he just watches this game over and over. The ritual of watching yeah, the game? I can see it's that. It's purely going through the motions of, of relaxation time, but he's a Terminator, so he's just, just purely for show. I, I can't buy that, because the, the one thing that you get the context uh, in, in many ways that he has learned to become more and more human-like, because they go out of their way to have him have a dog. Yeah. And that is a conscious choice to have him have a dog. Oh, totally. And that's something that actually, the internet drives me crazy about this. Because I saw on IMDb that it was like listed as like a goof. No. Yeah, exactly. That, it's no. crazy. I mean, it's, 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 hopefully we don't contribute to this, but the idea of like nitpicking a movie to death, there's a lot of, I mean, we nitpick sometimes. Yeah, but no, look, I, it happens. But clearly this isn't a, a no, deliberate. That is an absolute deliberate choice. Yeah, absolutely. Be, because I, the whole concept of Carl is trying to explain that it had nothing, its mission was complete. It had no reason to exist. And it, decided it was going to continue to learn and it learned and learned and learned. Right. You know, in the background, you don't see it, but there are all kinds of different books. I guarantee you, Carl read and tried to, you're probably right with like this football is like, yeah, this is what Americans, right. Americans in Texas watch football. Why? He, <laughs> maybe that is the machine. Not really realizing. Yeah. The, an ACC game from 2013. That's probably not very Texas. <laughs> I, it's just the one thing that he happened to record. I mean, that's yeah. my theory. It's just, it was yeah. just totally arbitrary, but it would be that he, he's going through like the ritual of, Oh, this is what people do when they relax. So this is what I'm going to do. 
Well, I mean, when it comes to the dog, it's like it's obviously there to illustrate his humanity that yes. this dog no longer treats him as a threat. It's not you know, it's established in prior movies. Dogs instinctively mistrust terminators, and and they they establish it in this movie because when the Rev Nine shows up at Danny's house at first, there is a dog barking. So okay. they they made the conscious choice that yes. Carl realizes that dogs don't like Terminator, so, oh man, if I'm going to be able to pull this off, I need to find a way to, to fool dogs, too, just as much as humans. Well, see, that's interesting. And maybe my- not fool, but you know what I'm getting at, is that to be more human, yeah. you have to be accepted and not frighten dogs. Right. Well, I think it's just that the dog... I mean, this is obviously their dog. It's the family yeah. dog, so it's like the dog I still take it. I bet you that other dogs are just as comfortable with Carl. Yeah. He's going and hanging up drapes. <laughs> sure, yeah. If there's any dogs in any of those houses. But yeah, I think, I think the thing that probably what's intended is the thing that the dogs are reacting to is the inhumanity. The dog can tell this is not a person. Right. And it's some you know subtle tells that humans aren't necessarily picking up on. Um, and yeah, he's, he is so human now that he doesn't come off to dogs as a threat. Yeah, he, yeah. He, he just seems like a person. So I think that's yeah, to illustrate his humanity, and it's obviously intentional. It drives me crazy that that's list, listed in IMDb as like a goof. Like, oh, it shouldn't be. Oh, the dog should be barking at him. It's like, no, obviously this is here for on purpose. 100%. That is shorthand for this is how effective Carl has become, is that dogs do not view him as a threat. Yeah. As they have every other Terminator that has come back. And it's just very sweet to see this Terminator petting this dog. And it's like, he's built himself a very nice life here. And it's actually yes. very heartwarming to watch. He's got Alicia who makes sandwiches when people come over. <laughs> yeah, and brings beers. Yes. They've already had a beer, and then she brings them another beer. It's like, I mean, at this point, you know, you have a Terminator chasing you. Maybe not drink too, don't drink <laughs> too many be beers. hammered. Yeah. Whatever. Two beers. It'll be fine. Anyway, so well, we're, he, we're, we, we talked about a lot of this sequence already. He changes diapers efficiently. That's true. Without yeah. complaint, he's reliable, a very good listener, and as you said, I'm very funny. <laughs> he is very funny. He's, he's correct. He's someone 100 percent accurate. Yeah. Um, also, I love the the lines like Dave's like, "So you're Carl, huh?" And like, that's what everyone calls me. I'm never gonna effing call you that. That's what Sarah says. Yeah, she does. It's delivered well, and I think it's important because at the very end, yeah, totally. she it does give her the chance to finally accept him for more than just being a machine. It's a very sneaky setup because yeah. it's played as a joke, and then you yeah. realize at the end, like, oh, that was set up for the ending. Yeah, yeah, totally. So yeah, I have a question because he says everyone calls me Carl. Where did this name come from? How did he acquire the name Carl's? Well, did he choose this name, or was it assigned to him, or was it like a mix-up? I'm disappointed they didn't go with Carl with a K because of our, our running joke of how many of you know Johns that Schwarzenegger played with clearly his accent that doesn't make sense. Oh, I would Carl, have liked, that's more German? Like yes, I would have liked okay. Carl with a K. Now, the question of how he picked it, I don't have a good answer. I'd like to say that like maybe the first movie, it was like a Carl Reiner movie, was the first movie that the okay. Terminator watched when he was trying to start to learn to become more human. Okay. I, I actually have no good so explanation. you think he chose it? Because he says that's what people call me, implying that he didn't choose this name. That it was, I hadn't was, thought about that, that phrasing, that somebody might, he, he looked like a Carl to them. I like that. Well, here's, I, I, I assumed it was some kind of like, someone misheard him and went like, oh, Carl, or, you know, for whatever reason, this is the dumbest thing, but I thought about Meatballs 2. Have you ever seen Meatballs 2? I don't remember it if I have. <laughs> have you so. seen the original Meatballs? Yes. 80s it's, teen sex comedy yes. starring Bill Murray. It's not very good. It's not very good. Te- Meatballs 2 is way, way worse. It is one of the worst movies. I saw it as a teenager and went like, this is awful. But there's one thing I remember about it, and, there's, and Bill Murray's not in it. I'm sure you could tell. The only scene I remember from Meatballs 2 
Wait a minute, is Dan Aykroyd in it? Though? No, he's not. No, this is not a Caddyshack 2 situation. <laughs> okay. I, I don't believe anybody famous is in okay. Meatballs 2. But anyway, Meatballs 2, which is also a teen sex comedy set at a summer camp like the first one, except this time, for some reason, there's a space alien at the camp. <laughs> and <laughs> I'll explain what, where I'm going with this, because... <laughs> I think I think because E.T. was big and I'm they went sure. like and Mac up, and me yeah sure. <laughs> um, so there's a scene. It's the only scene I remember from this movie where like the the alien doesn't speak English and like a bunch of kids like hide him in their in their bunk or whatever. It's very E.T. and like what's your name, buddy? And he's like name. Like he doesn't understand. Like name me Ted. What's your name? And he goes. Meathead, and they went meathead. Oh, I guess his name is Meathead, and they start, they call him Meathead for the rest of the movie. <laughs> so I imagine Carl happened somewhere somehow similarly. There was where, a misunderstanding, where and he, it became Carl. Yeah, where he's just like, you know, someone's like, "Are you okay? Is the car okay? The car will be fine." Oh, Carl! Oh, good you to, must be your name. Good is to Carl. know, Carl. Thanks, yeah, thanks, Carl. All right, I'll I, buy that. I, I imagine something similar to that happened. Some kind of, someone misheard something, and suddenly he's Carl. So ultimately, they, they do make the decision, all right, we're, we're going to set up a kill box. We're going to use Danny as bait, and we're going to try and kill the Rev-9. With his shack full of weapons, which uh, <laughs> is a great moment. This is Texas. But this is actually, so I have it, the percentage that he calculates is 74% chance that humanity, human civilization will deteriorate into barbarism, is what Carl's projections yeah. are. That's pretty dire. It's very bleak, yeah. But, I mean, this is the Terminator franchise. It's, it's a very bleak franchise. It's true. It's always been that. Um, I found it funny, uh, watching it this time, I didn't notice in the theater, that he opens his bunker of weapons with this, like, old-timey key. It's like a oh, I medieval that. key. That's awesome. <laughs> Which doesn't seem very secure to me, but I guess it makes sense. He doesn't want to, like, he's not going to put, like, an electronic keypad. He's waiting for the electronic apocalypse. Yes. He wants a physical key. That but it's sense. like it's it's not like a like a hardware kind of get a hardware store. It looks like something that like an old blacksmith made. It's this very old fashioned key. That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's, it's an interesting it. detail. Oh, I, I did notice a detail also where Carl refers to the Rev Nine as he because uh, I think oh, he will follow us or something like that. And then Sarah says, "Damn right it will." She refers to the, the Rev Nine as oh. it, yeah, I and Carl that. refers to it as he, which is an interesting detail. And how would Carl know that too? I'm sure they explain. No, like, maybe off, at some point off screen, off screen they they off walked screen. him through that's everything fair. that's going on. Uh, anyway, yeah. So they, Carl they, then says goodbye to Alicia and you know says that his past has caught up with him and that he won't be back. Yeah. So you do not like this either? No, I'm fine with this. I love this. I think this is great. I do because I do think it's the end for Arnold in this franchise. Probably the way the box office turned out. Probably the end for the oh, franchise for too. sure. Now, yeah. Um, but no, I think actually it's probably the perfect way because I think whether or not this was successful or not, and there were going to be others after this, I do think this was probably Arnold's last. Yeah. So I do think for that, absolutely, I say this is the. I would be f- more than fine if this had been the only one because it effectively would have retired the line the way it should be with the person who delivered it first. Completely agree, and I, it's it's. I found it very like emotionally like charged in the context of his family, and he you know. He's saying goodbye to his family forever. He knows he won't be back, and that's very, you know... Yeah. It's the only time, I think, that the I'll be back gag in an Arnold movie has actually had any kind of, like, emotional resonance like that. And act- oh, yeah. Used in a way that is not a gag. Maybe for the first, the first time ever. I don't think the first one was used necessarily as a gag. Well, no, not in the Terminator, in the original. Yes. But, like, even T2 is a little bit of a gag, where he's kind of like, you know, I'll be back. Like, it's, it's, he's winking a little bit. That's maybe the most serious of all the I'll be backs. Oh, it's, yeah, because it's pretty serious, because he actually says, stay here. Stay I'll here, be. right. I'll that's be back. when he walks out and just goes on. 
taking them out with all the gas around him. Yes. But no, it, it is because it, it's delivered. It's emotional for the the franchise and like the actor character mm-hmm. as well as it I works, think it works on every level. It works on every level. It's exactly what I was about to say. You're absolutely right. And uh, I never in a million years thought an I'll be back or a riff on I'll be back would be this emotional the way yeah. they use it in this movie. I think it's genius. We we ranked all the I'll be backs on our Schwarzenegger Ooh, roundup. That. and Oh, I, this would be right. I, the first one, I think, still would be number one for me. It, I, it's the original, and that gets it a lot of points, but I, I think this might be my oh. favorite. I'll be back. I, I, wouldn't fa- I wouldn't fault you with it. Yeah, I, I think it's genius. I think it's it's the best thing in this movie. Like it's it's an incredible. It's just a great idea, which is why they shouldn't have done it twice. The early one is yeah. just the early one is a gag. The Sarah, the Sarah Connor one, I'll be back. That's a gag. It is. Like, get rid and of it that. It doesn't one. work. I don't think she delivers it well. Here's the other. So there's one other callback here too, and I don't get it. I don't get the sunglass sequence here. Oh, right. well, I think this is similar to the dog, where it's showing his humanity that he's no longer the killing machine. But you why know, he's, even, he's rejecting that? Really? He's saying, okay. "I'm no, I'm not, I'm not a Terminator anymore. I'm a man, and I'm going to, you know, this, okay. this, these, rep, what this represents is the killing machine, and I'm more than that now. I'm going to leave this behind. I'll take that. I think, meet, I think that's what it's supposed. I'll to meet be. you halfway. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you're just playing me like a puppet now. I got to play this clip every time. Of course time. I am. Meet me halfway. So they're going to try and get an EMP, which what's funny about this entire sequence is if it's, we are running long, but if there was anything to cut out of this movie, in the end, the EMP doesn't matter. So it's yes. like, why, why put this poor guy Bingham at risk? It's basically just to get the, the plane sequence is really what this is all about. Well, it's because they have to have some kind of a plan and this is their plan, but you're right. It falls apart very quickly and then it's just like they're just reacting from that point forward. It is weird, and I think they should have figured out a different plan that it could have carried out through the whole rest of the movie. Because it's just like, yeah, like the plan in T two is to destroy, you know, all the the materials materials that will lead to Cyberdyne, and so that's how the movie ends. Obviously, very famously, where there's one more chip, you know, and uh, Mike is doing a thumbs up. I have to explain (laughs) because people can't see it. (laughs) It was a slow thumbs up, though. Yeah, you did it. You 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 mimics the movie very well, and no one will appreciate it but me. Thank you. So you know their plan. It ends with the plan finally being carried out. In this movie, their plan gets foiled, and then it's just like I, there's a fight, and you know, it's it's all of them reacting. The last half hour of this movie is just them yeah. being like, "Well, the MP didn't work. What do we do? Let's just run." Well, it's not that it wouldn't work. Then, it just got destroyed. Is the problem? Well, right. It, it didn't work because it was destroyed. Yes, uh, is what I meant to say. But so, yeah, it's just react, and then they just arbitrarily decide. Well, here we'll fight the Rev Nine right here. We, There's no reason why they had to do that. It's just they're just reacting. Do we need to talk about the story that Carl talks about before? Oh, however? we obviously do. All right, so this is the part where we were laughing yes. the most. I think so. Waiting to get uh, meet with the intelligence officer that ultimately is going to deliver the MP that we're referring to is honestly. <laughs> It's the best. I, I could barely breathe. I mean, it is. You want to talk about your right of a guy, somebody who hasn't lost it and knows. You know, he he's never going to win an Academy Award, and I I'm sure he probably knew that. He knew what made him money and what sold tickets and how to do it well. And this is funnier than some like straight up comedians. Yeah, it's hilarious. See, this is the part I was totally baffled by the fact that we were the only ones in the theater laughing. There was like, something wrong with that theater. Well, because, like, this is very hard to explain to Alicia. Like, that's funny, but I could, it's also, like, you can take that more seriously. Like, oh, it's a plot point where, 
You know, he's got to cover the fact that he's a Terminator. I guess, but whatever. You know, you could miss the fact that that's intended to be comedic. This stuff about he's talking about his job, you know, he, he takes so much pride in his work, which is so funny. But what, what actually makes this sequence even work, now that doing it for this, I watched, the other actors actually really do add to it. And yes. I didn't realize that because I was so focused on Arnold, I barely could breathe because I was laughing in his delivery. Yeah. I'm talking everybody that's involved. Grace asking Sarah, "Are you okay?" And it's clear what I I didn't even hear it, but it's like you know that he has probably been droning on because they're waiting for this intelligence officer. Who knows how long they've been sitting there? Yeah, and Carl has probably just been going on and on about mundane crap about drapes. No, nobody else for is like talking. an hour yeah. probably. Nobody's been like, oh yeah, no, tell me about that. No, everyone's just silent and he's droning on that. But Danny has an acknowledgement because I am telling you, our, the best line, and I know you know it, is I said, don't, don't do, do it. And, and Danny's reaction, she's like nodding like, oh yeah, you're absolutely right. That's really good advice Where? to not do it. We, we stopped doing clips on uh, arms race, but bad puns and machine guns format. Yeah, we can true. play more and clips. This, if I, there was ever a clip, this is probably the one. We should play this one clip. Also, there's a, so Rev9 is in uh, Carl's house. I did find it funny that he just has a picture of his van on his fridge. It is. And also, <laughs> why does he have that on his fridge? There's only one, I like that the Rev9 tossed the place by breaking one photo. Because there's a broken photo that that's you see on the way. So that's the way the Rev9 tossed the place. He broke one photo. He's frame. jealous of his. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes, that Carl has a family. But he doesn't put pictures of his family on the fridge. He has a picture of his. Here, here, here. There's much more to it than just picking the right color. It's the texture, the weight of the material. One room choice. (laughs) It can destroy the look of the entire room. Fine. There was this one customer that came to me. He wanted to have solid colored drapes in a little girl's room. I said, don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) Polka dots. Polka dots. Balloons. I'm telling you, so so it's only like, what is that, 10 seconds? And it's delivered so well. And you can tell from all, when I watched this for doing this podcast, you know he's been having it's been like thirty minutes or an hour he's been talking about drapes. Yeah, you you could have had one, and I didn't want too much more, but one more sequence of it, and it didn't even have to be about the drape business. Some other mundane story would have been great of him just delivering and them just like tolerating. <laughs> yeah, because they don't necessarily know each other all and have that much to talk about, and he just wants to keep talking. He should have related everything. It's like, how, how do we defeat the Rev-9? It's a real problem. This reminds me of a problem I had when we were putting up drapes. That <laughs> 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 amazing. Maybe they could have found a solution, like, you know, and actually, like, wait a minute, what did you say, Carl, about those drapes? And it actually gives them an idea to it defeat the Rev-9. Great. It would have been great. He does bring up the fact, because this, this... I love the idea that everything to him now relates back to right. drapes. That's his mission now, is putting up quality drapes at a low price. <laughs> I love the idea. He's obsessed yeah, he's with the machine. most efficient drapes. Yeah, absolutely. He knows what belongs in a child's room. You don't put solid colors. He's a machine with cold logic. He's, that's, <gasps> that's his job. Will you give me the arms like, don't do... I mean, don't it is it. like so believable. And like menace... Don't do it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and can you imagine that customer? Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. you're right. I better not do it. I better do what this guy says. You think Carl's using intimidation in times to get what he wanted? 100% when he needed to turn it on. This, cho- this choice of material is illogical. <laughs> All right. You have 10 seconds to comply with my choice. <laughs> 
Oh, wait a minute. Sorry. This, I know, contra- this contract is oh terminated. God. I know that we're running long, but I got to ask this now because I just thought about it. I'm thinking back to the original T-800. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite sequences in that movie, when it has the choices of responses. Oh, yes, yes. Do you think that Carl sees, like, polka dots <laughs> balloons? That's right. all he sees on his screen are these choices. They absolutely should have done that joke. That would have oh, been great. Damn it. They should have just, like, passed. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> Seeing the choices, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they should have like passed by a house and he scans the house through the outside and sees the drapes. Inappropriate. No, he doesn't like, even T three. Inappropriate. <laughs> Not yeah, because he wouldn't have to scan it. Just looking and see that would have been great. He sees like somebody's in a picture window and he is just furious <laughs> at the choice. It's <laughs> ridiculous. Choice of I, choice of material. And I, I color. can see the choices on his screen of ways to respond to really bad drapes. <laughs> that would have been a great callback. They're joke. on the run from the Rev Nine. <laughs> I have to stop for a second. He knocks on the door. We give my card. You're in bad need of new drapes. You've made some poor choices. <laughs> Honestly, I want. I just want a movie of Carl, Carl in ha- business, hanging out in his house, drinking Coronas with limes, watching football games that are seven years old, and selling drapes. I want a prequel. You could, they could very easily make that. Set like two years prior to this movie. <laughs> it's just Carl's draperies. I mean, what makes the original Ghostbusters great is it really, it's a business move. I mean, it, it sure. is them starting the business. Can you imagine <laughs> like an hour and a half of Arnold <laughs> starting a drape business I mean, do you think, as a Terminator? Do you think he has employees or it's just him? Do you think he, he works alone? I think he's so efficient, he does not need anybody else. Yeah, probably. That's true. Because he can work through all, he doesn't sleep. He can work whenever. Well, yeah, but he needs to work on and people. If people are asleep, it just comes into their house at two in the morning. I'm here to install the new draperies. That's what this I like. This is the most efficient time. That's what I like to think. I have a lot of jobs today. Imagine how many jobs Carl gets done in oh, a yeah. day. Oh, yeah. I'm sure every other drapery business in Laredo hates him. You're right. He's put everyone else out of business. <laughs> They're probably all out of business. In all of Texas, probably. You can cover a lot of ground. All right. Anyway. We, we need to finish the episode, but... To be honest, everything after this was kind of a letdown. There, yeah. There's a few, there's a few things in this action sequence. I, b- both of them coming up that I do enjoy, but it's a letdown because you don't get much dialogue really now. And and once the EMP, it's all just like randomly, just things are happening. They don't really have a plan. They're just reacting. Once the EMP has been shot, it's like well, things are. There's just no real narrative drive to a conclusion. It's not, you know, like I said in T two, the goal is to they have a very specific goal, and everything is going towards that goal. Here, it's just like they're flying around and running and they're parachuting they got, out. I don't know if Humvees. I yeah, I don't have much to say about the. I mean, it's just thirty minutes of wall to wall action, and it's well made, and it's you know, there's nothing wrong with it. But because there is, they're not going to any particular conclusion. <laughs> we, 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 we did miss one last line. What's that? When Bingham arrives, he, he oh, sizes yeah. up Carl. Bodyguard, I do drapes. I do drapes. I think that's probably the last reference to his drapery it business. Is, but but, it, but, it's uh, gone after that. Well, unless you count them smashing the Rev-9 in the face with his drapery truck. Which I suppose is the actual last moment of the draperies. Uh, it is the last moment, but I actually like just before that. That th- this is where I said that I actually think Arnold winds up getting some of the best stuff in the battle sequence because the initial when they lock up, he grabs him, the Rev Nine, sh- like throws him into the back of the C five, the 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 lift or the gate, yeah, and just ta- he's got like a machine gun at 
point blank and is just unloading on that thing in the face. I feel like there was a similar moment in Genesis, wasn't there? That was like that, or it was like the T one thousand just taking like a, a machine gun to the face. It could be, and maybe I might. Or maybe have it was the one. John Connor T three thousand. I don't know, but um, <laughs> it may be. I, I thought I I enjoyed it, and yeah, it's good. The the that that sequence on the plane is a little bit over the top. In particular, because the Rev Nine is chasing in his helicopter, you know, like, um, which by the way, they had their own helicopter and they chose not to take it. Which I'm not sure why. They they landed their helicopter, went to Carl's, took Carl's uh, van to an Air Force base, and stole a plane. It's like you landed a helicopter that you stole from the police station. That's true. And a mile from Carl's place, just go back to your. Well, the it's helicopter. because they needed to get the EMP, and so they had to go to the Air Force base to get the EMP. I guess it would have been. Too, it wouldn't have been. I don't think they, was enough to I don't think they could helicopter. be flying no in that helicopter. That helicopter is missing and people are looking yeah, for it. That's true. I guess that's fair. Um but anyway, yeah, so 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 they uh, wind up at a dam basically. Well but but I, I want to comment on the Rev Nine is chasing them in the helicopter. They blow up the helicopter. I think only the Rev Nine, the, the goopy part, like it, it, it does a flip. It does a big flip. Why, that's that's the stuff that is annoying where it's like, did he have to do a flip? He's got to be stylish, like, you know... It, it's, I agree. It's unnecessary flair, you know, because they have the special effects. That, that, Just because you can do it doesn't mean you should. That's the weakness of this movie. And to be honest, movies, action movies of the last 10, 15 years, it's too much. Yeah. And I, I do think a lot of practical effects are used in this movie, which I appreciate. And that's why it stands out, because for most of this movie, they're resisting a lot of that. Yes. It, it, a lot of this feels like... It could have been made in you know the mid to late nineties, right? And when T two was made, right? And T two is probably still to me one of the best balances of new technology CGI, which isn't anywhere near of obviously what can be done today. Yeah, but it was the right balance, and some of it was out of necessity back then. But yeah, things like this, I, this whole plane sequence is only because they can do it, not because it does anything for the movie. But yeah, exactly. I think the difference is. Like the the effects in T two at the time were considered very flashy and like yes. ev- everyone was amazed and wowed by them. I'm st- I'm still kind of blown away by them. But the difference is, like you said, it do- it, it always was in support of the movie. Like the T one thousand never did anything more than it needed to. Like yeah. you know, it's disguising itself as the floor, and it's not like it when it comes up, it like flies <laughs> around on all the walls and like you know, <laughs> like turns itself into a big snake and eats the guy. Like it, it just. <laughs> It just efficiently turn, yes. you know, comes up and kills him. Like, yeah, it, it is. It is a, the idea that this machine would be like, "I'm going to do a cool flip when I jump out of this plane." It's supposed to be efficient. I was going to say, I don't flip. think the flip was efficient, so that really does undermine. You know, Car- Carl's not doing a flip. Carl no. is taking the most efficient path forward. I don't think Carl even really wants to move much. He's just a mountain of them. He's just, he's, I'll, I'll stand still. And you know what? I think that that also, again, it's probably just our affinity for Arnold. I kind of like, and it, it's because, you know, with the later models, they have too many abilities. Yeah. I like that the T-800, it's just brute strength. That That's all it brings to the table. It, so it has, like, limitations. The the T three thousand, the T even the T one thousand, and certainly the Rev nine, they have almost no invulnerabilities. Right. So the because the, they're always trying to raise the, the, the stakes, stakes and I, they're always trying and get to, it. to make it like a tougher thing than the last one. Yeah, but. and I, and I get all those things, but what I that's what I like is that all that the T eight hundred brings, it brings brute strength and efficiency. That is it. I mean, the T one thousand is very cool, and it's you know, I, we were praising Robert Patrick justifiably Absolutely. so. But I don't think any of them are as scary as the Terminator in the first movie. No, like in terms of because it is just 
It'll walk right through a wall to get to you. It doesn't, yes. you know, it's not going to like turn itself in. It's not going to be disguise itself. It's not, it's not going to turn itself into a bomb to try and go get you. No. It's just going to just keep it's coming. It's just going to march at you until it will not stop until you are dead. It's like, unlike the T-1000, which will stop to pretend to be a floor for a while. You know, the T-1000 does stop from time to time, so it stop can be to, sneaky. Stop to talk to some officers. Say, sure. That's a nice bite. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I, I do think the T-800 is still the scariest of all of them. Begin in part because it's the simplest. So, do we? How much do we want to spend on the damn sequence? I don't know. Uh, the MP has been shot. We we do get before we get to the dam. We learn that Danny is actually the hero. Uh, big you, you big get, surprise. You get a flash forward. It completes the scene we saw earlier where Danny saves like a young Grace. Again, not the actress's fault, but it's just not. I don't buy the, the future Danny where you see her. It just never works, like even when you see John Connor in the future. No, it doesn't. So it's not going to work here. I think a, a lot of people, a lot of the Terminator fans, did not like Danny as a character. Oh, I didn't have any it's issue. Not, it's, I, it's not the character problem. No. It's, it's, I think it's, it's a, a structural script. problem. It's a script problem. We had script problems from day one. <laughs> That's right. Uh, you know, so anyway, the, the, the action sequence in the day, the Humvee, the, the, the parachuting in under the water, totally unnecessary. I think it's dumb. I wish it wasn't in the movie. Some of that works for me. I, really? I think the stuff where they're hanging off the dam and then Grace cuts the cables and there's a funny moment where she's like, Buck, strap in, strap in. Yeah, because this would be dangerous if we didn't strap in. Whatever Sarah says, she yeah. says something like that. I guess. I, I think some of it is exciting, but it's just too much. It just, once once they leave Carl's, it is just wall to wall action, and you know, I, even Terminator Two, like, because once they leave Cyberdyne and it's just one long chase to that foundry or whatever, and you think like, oh, it's it's really wall to wall action, but there's a lot of like beats where, like, after the T one thousand takes out the T eight hundred and he's got to find Sarah and John and they're kind of like off hiding and so, like it, it lets its foot off the gas frequently to let you catch it you know, when 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 uh, Arnold goes hostile to Vista and blows the T one thousand into a million pieces and there's a you know a couple of minutes where we it have a chance to symbol itself right yeah exactly we have a chance to catch our breath as the audience like too too much action just it just becomes it, numbing. It, you're right. And it I think this together. movie has that problem where it's, it never t- stops and takes a breath for it the, the last 40 minutes. And, that, and the, so for me, even without the breaths, I, I'm okay with it being somewhat breakneck, but it can't be that long. And to me, so I cut the plane sequence out. And I, to be honest, I cut the Hummer out because I do think the final sequence at the dam, I like that each one of them has a role and that... Both the Rev Nine and Dro Nine, they it's it both gets involved. I'm fine with all of that. It's a little like, you know, they all choose their weapon like it's like Conan the Barbarian or something. Like yeah, it's, it's a little so, strange. It is, but I was okay with that because I it, do like Carl making an interest sliding down the dam before. That was great too. I did have a note yeah, about that. that. That's a good moment. But really, and I'm okay because what that sequence, I'm fine with Grace spinning her mace. I mean, I know it's not, it's a giant chain. Yeah. Because no, she does, she cut, I did like it. She cut out the legs at one point, cut off the torso, and like cut that thing in half. I mean, it didn't last long, but she did some major damage to no, it. No, I agree. That, that stuff is very cool. And Arnold's got like a hammer or something, or like a, <laughs> like a spanner. A club. Know. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't actually land very much with that, which I was kind of disappointed in. But so really what what I do enjoy and I think what it does a great job of setting up is it does give a opportunity for calling for Sarah to call out Carl and for Carl to get like it, it the T eight hundred's final moment of pinning down because it's got a you know, the T eight hundred has lost its left arm. I'm sure it's because Arnold's right handed, so they wanted to make sure it was easier for him to do whatever he needed to oh, do. Oh maybe. Um 
But because there was an earlier fight where the T eight hundred was fighting the Rev nine underwater and yeah, it ripped it, off, it gets away or whatever. Yes. Yeah, because uh, it was the drone nine and actually the Rev nine teaming up. It was a little unfair. It was both of them teaming up against the T eight hundred. You would think it would do that all the time. I know that the goopy part is a little more vulnerable as you sh- he's getting cut apart by that chain. But you know, <laughs> uh, you'd think he would always be two. Like, why not? Two is better than two one. Is better than one, definitely. But I I liked the final send off and and for John I think is probably the best final line you could you could give for this movie for for Arnold. Yeah, I, that moment works for me completely. Uh, I'm not entirely sure why. Well, first of all, the idea it is kind of a Deus Ex Machina where, where Grace is just like, oh, this this power source that I have in me that can also destroy it. It's like this is the first time you're saying it ten minutes before the movie's over. Yeah, and they did the same thing in T3. Yeah, it is very much the same thing. Which I know you hate with a passion. It's basically the same ending where, yeah. you know, the Terminator's holding the, the bad Terminator down and blowing it up with its own, well, not its own power source in this case, but right. with a power source. Um, at least in this case, they don't chuck it out of a truck. They can have it explode next to the truck. That's the, what I, it, it is too much like T3. But also, like, they really beat the hell out of the Rev-9. Like, oh. it, it's like a, it was like a mummy by the end. It's like, it looks like Mumra. Like, it, it looks, it looks like you, at this point, you could blow it over with a feather. Yes. It is really messed up. And at this point is when Grace is just like, I'll sacrifice myself. I don't know if you have to. <laughs> you really messed it up. They put it in the turbine and got it chopped up in the turbine and then yes. the whole thing exploded. It seemed to me like the Rev-9 was very easily defeatable at that point. They could have just shot at the death at that point. Why they didn't have many rounds left is the problem. Okay, fine. I mean, that the, the whole fight is hand-to-hand anyway, except for Sarah shoots a couple of shotgun shells. That's otherwise. pretty much it. I agree that it's a great moment at the end. I, I'm fine with it because it, it's a good moment. Yeah. It's not the final scene in the movie either. It's The final scene is setting up for what it anticipated was a future, <laughs> yes. future movie that is not likely to happen. We predicted this on, I think, the Genesis one where we said, oh, there's going to be a new Terminator, and, if, and this one's going to be the first of a trilogy, and if it fails, it'll be a trilogy of failed trilogies. And that's exactly what we got. We got <laughs> Salvation was supposed to be the first in the trilogy. It failed. Genesis was supposed to be the first in the trilogy. It failed. And now Dark Fate... So the trilogy of failed trilogies has come to pass. Yeah. And this this movie at least didn't... There's enough closure where if there's not another movie, it's fine. Yeah. Genesis was just like, tune in next time. You know, that was a little too much. It was very presumptuous. <laughs> yes. Without a doubt. So at least here they didn't... You know, they hedged their bets and went like, you know what? There's a chance this will be the last Terminator, so let's at least... You know, I think at the end, they're just like, well, we got to be prepared for anything. That's kind of how they leave it is with that kind of a tone. And they kind of visit young Grace... Checking on her. Yeah. That's about it. I'm, I am glad, though, that since it, either way it was likely to be Arnold's last Terminator, I think it handled his character and wrapped it up about as best as you could. So for that, yeah. I'm glad the movie exists and it ended the way it did. I mean, this is very possible this will be his last movie, period. Right. Yeah, so I think so. I think, yeah, you can do a lot worse, that's for sure. It's certainly better than killing Gunther. You know what? <laughs> For cleansing that from the palate, I'm <laughs> yes. glad Paramount sunk the movie into the money into this movie. Yeah, I mean, I I I want Arnold to continue to make movies. Yeah, but maybe. also maybe you know, yeah, this is a nice. This is a pretty. Up. This is a pretty high note. Don't pull a Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan hit that shot in 1998. It's like that's a great way to go out, and then he like like a fool. He came back and was I'm, terrible. I'm very funny. That's what he should go out on. I, yeah, and for John, I think, and for uh, John, I think you're right. Uh, yeah, that's, that's so Terminator that's, Dark that's Fate. Terminator Dark Fate. So I, by the well, way, I don't like the title. We never talked about that. I think it's a clunky title. I agree. <laughs> but anyway, let me let me ask you this. So for kind of the endings, we know where you stand on T three. 
Yes. Is the ending is this better than the ending of T two? No. Not okay. even close. I just I'm just curious. I don't think so either. Well, because the last thirty minutes or so because it feels like they're going in circles because they don't have a purpose. I just meant the actual fi- like the final ending for the T eight hundred. Do you think that this is is better? I don't think so. No. I, no. I think the decision there's one more ch- I think it's delivered better and it's more emotional. And the slow lowering down and the thumbs up. I I appreciate that the other movies existed, but I would be completely okay if that had been the last yeah. last we'd ever seen of the T eight hundred and the thumbs up would have probably been the best way to go. Well, I mean you can console yourself with the fact that they're all different T eight hundreds. Like yeah. that's the way that character went out. This okay. is a different guy. This is Carl. This but isn't this isn't Pops. It's this not, isn't it's not Uncle Bob. You're right. This isn't Uncle Bob. This Un- isn't Pops. This is Carl. All right. Then maybe the way to say it is Uncle Bob is probably my favorite Terminator. Oh, definitely. I mean, I I do think that Arnold really finds a the right lane Balance. here to yeah. to play him more like like a human, while while yeah. still there's still the robotic quality to it. But he it, like he did a great job finding the yeah. lane here. It's, it's different and it's it feels fresh. Um, but yeah, I don't. I, as far as performances go. Well, as far as performances go, I think he's probably best in this movie, but the the character, T-800, as a character, is better in T-2. I yeah, so I would rank it probably Uncle Bob. We're ranking the T-800 T- I'm going to do it right now. Yeah, okay, not, let's do it. I'm going to say Uncle Bob number one. I agree. I'm going to go Carl. I agree. Pops. No. Really? I go the T-800 from the original Terminator. Oh, instead. so the killing machine. Yeah. You like? I like Pops a lot. I like Pops a lot, too. I'd probably put him fourth. Well, that that's dead last. No, then we've got I put I put the CGI T eight hundred in Salvation fifth, and I put the T eight fifty from uh, Terminator oh, three. Last. The talk to the hand is that's, dead last. That's You're, last. It is dead last. Well, then where where does the Universal Studios uh, Terminator go? <laughs> that is full on stand up comedian Terminator. Yeah, I'd put that maybe fourth or just below Pops. Maybe he really does have some great zingers in that. <laughs> He's his college roommate. <laughs> <laughs> the thing All is, right. there's some things. I, I'm sad to admit it. There's some things about T3 I enjoy too, though. I I understand it, but it's just so disrespectful to T2 in so many ways. And just the the. <laughs> what are, you're just making noise. People aren't going to know what that's a reference I to. I don't care. They're just going to think you've got you've lost your mind. <laughs> Maybe just making random noises. It's been a long episode. It has been. Yeah, this has been a long time. So we, we, I mean, when we did a Terminator episode, we would always go along. Yeah, so of course. We this did. is actually pretty typical. Probably a two and a half hour episode about yeah, a Terminator probably. movie. So. so let's talk about the body count. So I, I ha- originally had a body count of fifty total. I'm adding two, so total body count of fifty two. Arnold had a body count of one. Carl. Carl. Well, it wasn't Carl yet at that at the time that he that killed John true. Connor. It was just the T eight hundred. Just the T eight hundred. Model one hundred one. Later, he becomes Carl. I, I'm going to assume that he acquired his name in a Meatballs 2 fashion. I, I like that, that leap. At the very least, I can use this useless knowledge that I still have about Meatballs 2. I should probably watch Meatballs 2 again. So you, you wouldn't buy it if I tried to convince you that Die Hard was the T-800's favorite movie while trying to learn to be more human. Okay. And he identified most with Carl with a K in Die Hard. <laughs> Which one is Carl? Oh, Carl's with the, the long, long hair. hair. Okay, yes. Okay. Uh, maybe. But maybe Carl he, is in there! That's right. Uh, yeah, maybe he identified with him. Carl is up there! Oh, that's right, yeah. When they on the roof. Blow, blow the, the roof. roof! Yeah. Sorry. No, no, no. I, I I can see that. I'm just like, that guy looks like a Terminator to me. <laughs> he does, because he comes back at right. the end. 
Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, maybe he, maybe that's the the maybe the that's another that's another we've, Carl Terminator. We've got the crossover between the Terminator and the Die Hard and the Karate Kid. They're all <laughs> the single cinematic universe. I think we were onto something. All right, so all fifty-two right. total. One fifty-two for total. Arnold. One for Arnold. So let's update Arnold's averages and totals. That so hurts him. It does hurt him. Not too much because he has. You know, it's the, the the field has been so diluted now. He's made so many movies that. Uh, um, but it is bringing him down a little bit. So previously, he had a body count of 546 across 37 movies. The average was 14.76 previously. Now he's gone up to 547 across 38 movies. So that gives him 14.39, down from 14.76. So about 0. .3, 0.37 he's gone. All right. So it makes it a little easier for Stallone. We'll see uh, if that helps Stallone... Push it over the top, not to... Stallone is going to make it. There's no doubt about it. In the average, you think? Or in the totals? I think in the totals... The totals for sure. Totals I, for sure. I think in the average, he's got a good... Because we still have a couple of Rambo movies. Well, Rambo 4 is, is uh, going to carry a lot of that load, but... Uh, well, our, our next one, uh, which is my pick to start... We're finally starting back up <laughs> with what we do on this podcast. Yes. We'll be back to Stallone in the next episode. Yes. And this, this is the pick you've been sitting on for three months now. Uh, it feels like a year, but yes... <laughs> We had to do Rocky Five, and then we had to take a break, and then I had to take a longer break than expected, and then we had to do Terminator Dark Fate. Look, a lot of things happened, but we're, gonna, we're finally going to be back. There are many things. Our fate is only what we make, That's and true. our fate for this one is I felt that it was most appropriate uh, for me to make the pick of this movie at some point. I actually don't even remember what category it's in. Uh, I think it, action, action, something. Uh, I'm not or, supposed to know. Could be, it could be diminishing returns. I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've revealed that I know. Yeah, you, you, you insisted that I not do that. Just whatever. <laughs> Go ahead. So, and tell. being the person who loathed and despised the natural disaster mo- uh, movie movement of the late '90s, uh, <laughs> mid to late '90s, it made sense to me that I would be the one that would choose daylight. All right, next episode will be daylight. I I don't know if uh, I think giving calling it a movement is giving it too much credit. There were a was lot a, of movies oh, that yeah. were disaster movies. There was a revival of the disaster movies in the 90s. So, uh, and it was and dumb. We can talk about that uh, next episode. Of your, your, your hatred of 90s. Is your, is your distaste for disaster movies purely 90s disaster yes. movies? Okay. I, I don't know enough of like the, the 70s to have an opinion, so I'm not just going to hate them because they exist. I hated the 90s. That I just couldn't stand. It's sort of actually like I'm fatigued of Marvel and DC now. Sure. I was fatigued of that. I wanted that's like I this is enough. Like it's cool you can do these things, but I want a story. That's why I go to the movies. Not to see what you can do on a computer. I go for a story. To be honest, I I have seen my fair share of 70s disaster movies and I think the 90s probably did it better. So you'd really hate the oh, 70s. I've seen every airport movie and that was a real slog. Okay, but here's the only thing. Without those movies, Airplane doesn't exist and I'm going to tell you right now. That's true. I'm glad that Airplane exists in this world. Is there is there an equivalent that could only exist because of Volcano and uh, Deep Impact and uh, and Daylight? Probably not. And Hard Rain? My absolute favorite, hard rain. That's the, the biggest disaster is slightly more slightly more rain than usual, we could have called it. All right. Anyway, yeah, thanks so for listening. The show. That, yeah, thanks for listening. If you've liked the show, please like us on your podcast app of choice and maybe write us a favorable review. Yeah, and uh, if you like the show, we're going to be back to the Arms Race podcast next yes. episode. And our Twitter handle, which happens to be at Arms Race Podcast. Yes, and uh, yeah, if, if you know someone who might like the show, let them know about the show. We're actually coming back for the real show soon, so now would be a time to tell them. 
We'll be back with Daylight. Daylight.